Howdy and welcome to Ernest Goes to Podcast, the only podcast that studies and salutes the indomitable spirit of beloved American icon and great American warrior Ernest P. Worrell, as portrayed by late great comedy hero Jim Barney. This is episode 15, Ernest in the Army. I'm your host, Aaron, and this is my lovely co-host, David. Hello, listeners. We're coming to you from the Ernest front lines. It's just the two of us, Dave. We're you ending the Ernest journey as we started together, you and me, buddy. Yep. Traversing <laughs> the world, traveling by map. Peeling our lips off. <laughs> Please, no. We end as we began. Well, it's it's bookends. There's always nice bookends in the Ernest films. That's right. And I guess we should say just right off the bat, like, this is not our last Ernest episode. However, it is the last of the Ernest films. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Aaron is getting a little choked up <laughs> with, with the uh, the passing of the, uh, the film franchise. This is so different than when we started. We're bringing 10 years of baggage to this movie. 10 years of emotional Ernest baggage. And just about one year of podcasting, huh? This has been a beautiful journey. <laughs> I, I don't regret a second of it. No, same. Even though it breaks my heart. We've gotten to know a cinematic, legendary character. That's right. And um, learned some things about ourselves, too, I think. I think we did. Yeah. You said that my heart was softened uh, in the last couple of movies, and I, I don't really know how to take that, but I will accept it. <laughs> well, we, we, I think for a while, prided ourselves on being critical viewers. Sure. No, I, th- I think that's a fair assessment. And I think also we're both New Yorkers. So yeah. That, so there is that of, this, this uh, what cynicism, call cynicism. Yeah. yeah, that comes along with it. Sure. <laughs> and this journey with Ernest P. Worrell has indeed, I think, softened my heart. I am not as, I think, hard on movies in sure. general. I'm not as hard on people as I was. <laughs> I'm like, it's very, I've been transformed by Ernest. Her heart grew three sizes it that did. day. I hope it's benefited you as well. No, I think you're correct. And um, without getting too far into it, because I think we can save this for like a later oh, yeah. uh, wrap-up episode. One of the reasons I've always responded well to Ernest, the character, yep. is just that he is overwhelmingly abundant abundantly genuine and optimistic yeah there's not a lot of pretentiousness to him there's not a lot of uh, what you see is what you get with Ernest, and yeah. i think that's something that has sort of by osmosis maybe made its way into the both of us and i think his boundless enthusiasm that's true i think and his enduring optimism yeah. i think is what has been sort of contagious it, it gets him through a lot of different wildly divergent wacky adventures if Ernest can do it yeah golly bob howdy so can we and speaking of uh the various and sundry adventures that he finds himself in here we are with Ernest in the army yeah, well, yeah. he is the great American warrior. That That is what this movie tells us. <laughs> and shows us, I think. You know what? If I were going to choose someone, a fictional character, to embody the American spirit, yeah. why not Ernest P. Worrell? Like, the least... <laughs> I think the, he has the least negative aspects of American culture tied to him. And sure. I think some people would disagree with that. Some people would say that he's a redneck stereotype. Mm. And I would say, considering how much we've examined Ernest... That simply is not true. Yeah, I would. I would say. Um, <laughs> let's save this and just <laughs> yeah, get into the right. get into the movie. All right. So this is 1997. Yep. Straight after Ernest goes to Africa. This was also shot in Africa. It was shot in Cape Town, which I did not know. And you told me that before we started recording, and I went, 
Huh. I think actually much more than Ernest Goes to Africa, this uses the landscape, the desert landscape. Oh, sure. Great effect. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a reference to this in the film itself, but it's got like that kind of grand scope at times Uh, of something like a Lawrence of Arabia, for example. Yeah. Actually, to myself, I call this movie Ernest Goes to War, but it's Ernest in the Army. Not entirely incorrect. The premise... Where Ernest is now. This time, Ernest has a job picking up golf balls at a driving range in Valdosta, Georgia. I really like this job. It suits him. It does. That's exactly the phrase I was going to say. I mean, we know that he's great at flipping pancakes. That's true. He's great at flipping these golf balls. He's got balls. Yeah, balls. (laughs) These golf balls. Hey, David, (laughs) you enjoying this this New York podcast? That's true. Hey, whatever. Uh. And Ernest's best buddy, Ben, convinces him to join the Army Reserve. Alliteration, I like it. And he gets shipped off to Karifistan, and as it turns out, Ernest is the great American warrior of prophecy. The, that age-old prophecy we all know. I bet he's going to like save the day at the end and probably do that Possibly kind of the a thing. the world. Yeah. You had a really interesting point, actually, that is sort of similar to the way Ernest goes to jail without actually having committed a crime. Oh, yes. In this movie, Ernest goes to war... Without ever picking up a gun, harming anyone. Right. Ernest is in the army in the most technical sense of the word. He is in the army, but weapons are only used by every other character, basically. Right. (laughs) Other than Ernest. He's in the army of reserves. Is that the thing? The army reserve, yes. So as we have about 7,000 things that need addressing, (laughs) let's start with the opening scene. It's a very good place to start. Not at all what I expected. Ernest in the army, kind of the thing you assume it would be was like this jaunty army. Army march music, yeah, like, like and like, and then Ernest in the army. Yeah, but it's actually like, um, we're back in the Middle East again. It's, we're in the Middle East. There's like a long dramatic pan over like this ghost battlefield. There's like oh, no yeah. one there. It's like the battle that has been fought and lost. And then there's this like dramatic narration over it. Yeah, it's... And over this really like this really evocative music. I actually kind of like the music in this movie. Oh, same. Yeah, you know when. We were uh, when we were watching this together. I compared it to something like the Road Warrior, where it's like this legendary tale being told of a hero. It has been the burden of my people to struggle under the iron fist of ruthless leaders since Nebuchadnezzar created the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. This is like the kind of curveball that I appreciate about mm. Ernest movies, where sure. it's like the Ernest Saves Christmas opening is not what you expect. Don't tempt me to talk at length about my love for the Ernest Saves Christmas the opening. The Ernest Goes to Camp opening, where it's like, did I get the right movie? <laughs> like, <Yes>. Absolutely. <laughs> again, we yeah. are here. Yeah, and yeah. like something much more dramatic than I was expecting. Like they're playing it straight. Which I very much appreciate. It's not like a jokey army. No, it's like it's totally it's like, played straight. Like yeah. the bad guys are kidnapping a bunch of rebel fighters, like taking them as prisoners of war. This actually reminded me of the Ten Commandments. Actually, I was trying to find a frame of a, reference. A, a similar African epic. It's a big epic. It's being narrated by this character. I think his name is Ali from the credits. Yes, he's, he's uh, in the resistance. Yes, the resistance fighter. That's yeah. what it is. And he talks about the great American warrior prophesied to like ride in from the West and like strike down the evil tyrant. Yeah. And that's like the Ten Commandments narration is like oh, there's a prophecy of, what, of the deliverer. 
Gotcha. And it's gotcha. delivered in the same kind of style. So like, <laughs> Wait. I feel like this is Ten Commandments slash Lawrence of Arabia. It's pulling, again, from a lot of retro movies. Is this again suggesting stuff. that Ernest is Jesus? <laughs> no, it'd be suggesting that Ernest is Moses. Okay, okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> Got it. Oh, yes. The Hestonian, the, the Hestonian-ness of it all. Yeah, he's not, Ernest is not God, but I would say sent by God. <laughs> yes. You know? he, he is a, uh, a vessel. Yeah. By which divine <laughs> actions can That's be worked right. out. Yes. For it is written that this evil wind will lure the great eagle into the clutches of its ambition. And the whole world will come to the edge of being nothing but a whisper's vapor in the universe. It's a very flowery monologue from this person in an <laughs> so- earnest film. So that, I would say, is pretty high stakes for an Ernest movie. Sure, a whisper's vapor in the universe? You've made a compelling Uh-oh. argument. <laughs> Not uh. again. So we, we cut from the concern about the continued ruthless tyrants to the ruthless tyrant of our film. Yep, Tofuti, president President for, for life, life. <laughs> Omar Habib Tofuti, who we both agreed just looks like a dude from the Bronx. He kind does. Of. <laughs> he totally. This is a South African actor, but yeah. he just looks like any random Puerto Rican dude wandering around he, the Bronx. Like, I can say that because I'm Puerto Rican. He looks like people I went to school <laughs> he with. He does. Yeah. I actually thought he was kind of cute. No, he's he's a good looking actor. Yeah, but it's just he, he's, he's just, because he's got he's wearing the I forgot what it's called the the headdress that the, the sort of sun blocking uh, yeah that Eastern covers the garb. neck. Yeah, but he's got a plain white t-shirt and just like wearing a chain yeah like he's yeah. just like a dude things got like boots on and he's obsessed with golf i mean yes obsessed with golf because golf has been a synonym for evil like in a lot of 90s movies in like, the last earnest movie and in the last earnest movie yeah. Prince kazim was obsessed with golf but this is like everything he does is golf related and That's true. he only talks in golf metaphors which i really appreciate <laughs> the sort of like Tafudi keeps like talking about like the thing that he's trying to get or to reach is like the eagle, yeah. which in golf is like a, a great shot, but it's also like America, America <laughs> in terms of like who he wants to defeat. He says it's amazing how far you can reach when you use the right club. By club, he means the pluton missile, uh, missile he's, obtained. Yes. he's obtained. Gentlemen, behold my special club, the pluton missile. Which apparently the Pluton missile is uh, actually a missile that was used by France, I think, in the Cold War era. Oh, interesting. Or it was, they stopped using it in 1993. Huh. Now, see, to me... And it has two nuclear warheads on it. Oh, is is that all? (laughs) (laughs) One standard, conventional high explosive, and two nuclear warheads. It's the only way to be sure. (laughs) To me, it just sounds like a fake name. It does. In the way that everything in earnest films is like Looney Tunes land. I thought it was like unobtainium, like petrocyte. It it sounds like... Like something not. Marvin the Martian would say, oh, the Pluton missile. It's, it's a real thing. Yeah. Again, much like Karifistan, a real thing exactly. that wasn't around anymore when this movie was made. Right. Or Arisia, which but is... But I could believe that it was a Pluton missile from 1993 that he found somehow. Yeah, it was he in never... somebody's trunk. <laughs> yeah. Pop had it. Oh, yeah. Pluton missile <laughs> from 1993 me. that Harriet found in a 36 Chrysler. So, yeah, Tafuti got his hands on this missile. Yeah, and that's bad news. So he's from Arisia. Yes, which is not a place. No, and and the Chiron tells us it is a small country on the Persian Gulf. 
Okay. Just so that we have uh, context map-wise. Okay. And so he's the president for life of Arisia. It's a running joke that every time somebody calls him president, he's like, for life. Yeah. That's, that's his, a pretty, that's a pretty good joke. title. I like it. It pays off. Yeah. And the golf metaphor is so played out to the extreme. Like, he hits a golf ball, and the ball hits an American flag on a stick, and it like, lands next to two skulls. Subtle. <laughs> and we hear the prophecy of a great American warrior. That's right. Cut to continuing with the golf metaphors. It's a thematic it's, it's a cut. Thematic cut to <laughs> Ernest. Oh, we've already talked about Ernest's job, right? Yeah, he works at a driving range. Yes. Valdosta driving range. And he is the, the golf ball collector. And he's he's quite skilled at it. I will give him that. This is actually very much like the beginning of Ernest Rides Again. So, I have so many notes that are... This is kind of like Ernest Rides Again. Kind of like Rides Again, Ernest. There are a great many parallels, I would yeah. say. or the, It shares a lot of things in common with Ernest Rides Again. It's yeah. actually paired with Ernest Rides Again on the DVD ah, that we have on the same disc. Yeah, I've, there's, a, there's a bunch of tie-ins. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. But this intro to Ernest, he's doing this like Mission Impossible bit. He's, he's playing at being a secret agent. Yeah. He's secret agent Ernest Secret Fiorel. agent Ernest. A minefield. Mines diabolically disguised as your average garden variety golf ball or golfus simplus sphera coli. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, will be to rid the world of this menace and make this geriatric pastime safe again for all of humanity. Again, he's making an adventure out of a mundane activity. Yeah, he, and he's he's playing. It's very playful. You could consider that a very boring job, but he makes it this epic adventure. Whatever makes the workday go by, man. Yeah. He's not, not doing his job. No, no. He does a great job. Yeah. I wrote down a couple of the other things he said. So he's, he's talking about defeating Baron Von Titleist. All right. I couldn't tell what he was saying, if it was Vitalist or Von Titleist. Uh, Von Titleist, because Titleist is a brand of golf ball. Okay, which, I was really wondering. Which they also <laughs> reference in the Lego movie where uh, Lord Business has his room of relics. And then oh, uh, he, uh, in talking to Baron Von Titleist, he says, quote, Your pockmarked angels of death frighten me not. Pockmarked angels of death is brilliant. Yes. I love her. <laughs> it's, he's flowery Ernest I'm so again. happy that he's flowery oh, again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's great. He He's driving the golf cart with his feet. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And he's using like this, what is it? like? A, it's like a pool net. It's almost like a pool skimmer, yeah. yeah it's like, like a little golf highlight catcher on the end of a stick kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, he's just like picking these golf balls up and like flipping them yeah. into his cart. And the whole time, like people at the driving range are kind of trying to hit him or he's, he acts like they're trying to hit him. Right. <laughs> yeah, can't hit me. <laughs> you couldn't hit a bull in the butt with a bass fiddle. Nice try, lady. <laughs> now... Remind me, is the driving range connected to the army base somehow? I don't think so. Or is it just like nearby? I think it's just nearby. And that's why he's friends with... Because then the director drives up and like walks onto the set. <laughs> like, it's like the director's on the set, guys. You can see him in the shot. Wait, are you talking about John Cherry? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So John Cherry is in this movie. So John we Cherry also just say. like walks onto the set and starts commenting on the movie. Like, <laughs> to be fair, 
he is playing a character. Right. His earnest friend, uh, Ben. Ben. Uh, ben Kosky? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Who is um, part of the Army Reserves. He shows up very smugly. Yes. He drives up in an Army vehicle. And sort of just kind of takes in the earnest antics for a little bit in the way that I imagine John Cherry would behind the camera also. <laughs> yeah, he is kind of crossing his arms, shaking his head, oh, Ernest. He's like, yep, well, that's, that's our Ernest. <laughs> it's weird because it's like no, a character has never like walked in and started commenting on Ernest's behavior before. <laughs> so I have I have some things to say about Ben. Oh, me too. So Ben, played by John Cherry. He saves Ernest. He does. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. I don't get how he saves him, but Ernest thanks him as if he saved him. Right. I mean, I almost feel like he could have like saved him from like the play acting scenario that he was in. Yeah, Ernest gets hit with a bunch of golf balls. I think he does annoy the people on the driving range. They can probably hear him. I was going to say, he, he, he monologues uh, loudly. Yeah, I would want to hear that. I would go to the driving range just for the, guy, the crazy guy that picks would. up the golf balls. <laughs> Just to hear what he's saying. Look at that guy going. So they, they hit Ernest with a bunch of golf balls, and Ben walks up and is like, how you doing there, great American hero? Foreshadowing. Oh, yeah. So you have some things to say about Ben? I have a ton to say about Ben. All right, so Ben. Ben and Ernest head out together. Ben's in the, what is it, like an army yeah, jeep or something? Yeah, he's driving some kind of army rig. Ernest, really Ernest wa- is in the riding shotgun. Ernest really wants to drive. He likes driving. He likes We've driving. We've discussed this. As they drive, we sort of get um, insight into the relationship of Ben and Ernest, which is nice. Um, I wrote Ernest and Ben, best buddies forever, remember? <laughs> it is kind of like that, yeah. It's a very much remember the new guy situation. It is exactly that, yeah. And we even find out that they have been friends since they were kids. They were kids together. And I immediately wrote down, Ben is it's Vern. Vern. <laughs> ben is Vern. Yes, so Ben is Vern. Just like Ernest Rides Again, we have a very Rides Again-ish, playful fantasy Ernest, mm-hmm. and we have a character who is an on-screen Vern analog. Wow. Yeah. The parallel... Why? Why Ernest Rides Again? So I don't interesting. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but this is one of those things where it's like a known character talks to a new character about how they've been friends since childhood, and the new character has always been around. Oh, yeah. Which is, in the Ernest world, it's acceptable, because every Ernest is a different Ernest, and as far as we can tell, in the way that makes sense to our brains. Right. Although, we do know, based on some conversation a little later... I'll get to that. Okay. I have a theory. Okay. So yeah, Ben, we're told, has been looking out for Ernest since they were kids. And yep. he's driving this army vehicle, and he's drinking um something called Bafo Choco. It's chocolate milk. He's, he's drinking a milk product. This. Yeah. Dairy products. Uh, this is a foreshadowing of Ben's horrible diet, which it, will come it, into it is, t- <laughs> it is telling. Ben needs to take some care of himself. Yeah. There's some strange subtext to having the director play a featured character. It is interesting. It, it, like, I didn't know when I first watched this movie that that was John Cherry, because I didn't know what John Cherry looked like. So right. I didn't know it was the director, but I could tell that there was a familiarity between these two people. Sure. Like, you can tell this guy knows Jim Varney. There's some... It's weird how you can, like, pick up on this stuff, but you can. Sure. I mean, I I think that works for the character, too, in this it case. It does. Because you get that they have, like... A history, a history, even though it's yeah. a very much a remember the new guy sort of thing. But there, everyone knows who Ernest is. Yeah. No one knows who Ben is. <laughs> so we have to kind of learn that on the fly. I would have loved if they just called him Vern. Oh yeah. That, that would have been that amazing, right? That would have been incredible. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, they don't. But anyways, the conversation that they have oh, strikes me as like weirdly. The, the conversation is like Ernest really wants to drive the truck. Ben won't let him, and Ernest is like, "Gosh, you never let me do anything ever since we were kids." I let you do stuff. What stuff? Stuff. It starts to weirdly feel like a conversation almost between Jim Varney and John Terry. Oh, because you like, <laughs> like, like I let you do Beverly Hillbillies. Right. Like, it's really, I don't know, it brings to mind, like, a real some, world. Some behind-the-scenes stuff, wonder, yeah. You wonder, you know, how That's much. That's interesting. You wonder how much of their real relationship is in the fictional right. Ben-Ernest relationship. Right. In the same way that Jim Varney is not Ernest, but Ernest is Jim Varney. Yeah. Like, John Cherry is probably not Ben, but perhaps Ben is somewhat John Cherry. Sure. Sure. I would buy that. That's really interesting because I didn't bring that much to it. I basically just took Ernest as like wacko warnering his way through this scene. He's just like, I'll never get to drive a car. <laughs> Gosh, I'll never get to drive those big camo mammoths and jeeps and half tracks and tanks and armored personnel carriers. Never, ever, ever in the whole history of the universe will I ever get to drive. He specifically wants to drive an army big rig. Right. To to the extent that I was like, you know, Ernest, there's other ways to drive. Like You could with, drive a, just a car. Yeah, with Like, yes, a, any vehicle. <laughs> any you, car. you drive a golf cart on a regular basis. <laughs> no, but he has to drive an army rig, and then Ben tells him that it can only be driven by army, army people. people. And yeah. army people is a phrase said about 15 times in this movie. Yes. To the point where Ernest mocks how much Ben says army people. Army army people. people. <laughs> and then Ben is like, well, you can enlist. In the Army Reserve, which Ben Ben is a sergeant in the Army Reserve. And it's at this point that the movie, for the first time, does a thing that they do a couple times, Mm. and I really appreciate it, which is where they answer my questions as a viewer about the absurdity of the things going on. As you're asking them. Yes, because (laughs) Ben is like, oh, you can always enlist. And Ernest immediately, as I'm thinking, isn't he kind of old to enlist? (laughs) Ernest is like, oh, I'm too old to enlist. This is like one of those rare instances where the ridiculous thing that Ernest does is a suggestion from another character, and Ernest calmly expresses skepticism. Right. Well said. they, They go to this place called the Ammo Dump which appears to be a portal to the 1950s because it's like an eatery where there are like military men on leave playing pool with women in sundresses. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. I'm pretty sure that woman's name was Baby. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, one okay, thing at a time. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're at this place. There's like 1950s people are playing billiards and Ernest is saying very reasonably, I think I'm too old. To enlist in the army. And Ben's like... We have guys signing up all the time, he says. Yeah, and it's just the army reserves. It's like summer camp for real men, he says. Yeah, and this is when Ernest says, well, I was a camp counselor once. Correct. Now, I have a theory, and I'm sure you have a theory. Do tell, Aaron. (laughs) I I don't know what theory goes for. Is the Ernest in the first movie the exact same as the Ernest in the last movie? I don't... Continuity-wise? I don't think so. I don't think so either, but it is fascinating no, to think because, about. No, because they say that these Ernest and Ben have been tied together forever, mm. it's hard to imagine that this Ernest was the same one who was off somewhere else That's fair. for an extended That's fair. period of time and had... And every Ernest kind of acts like they've never been on a big adventure. That's the thing for me, is that like yeah. it doesn't seem like this Ernest, even though that's exactly where my mind went to immediately, I was like, oh, is this the same Ernest? It can't be. He doesn't seem like he's taken those experiences Exactly. And ha- hasn't taken those lessons away with him to this point. Right. He, he has never internalized the experiences Correct. that he refers to. But this does tie into my theory. What is 
your theory, Aaron? This does tie into our theory that the Ernest universes get echoes of each other, like we said. Yes. In Ernest Goes to Africa, and I asked, does Ernest get like memories from other Ernests? Like, does he get flashes of like I was I was a camp counselor once? I think because there's to me there's no way these are the two same Ernests. Right. But they either have similar experiences, which doesn't seem to be the case. Or this Ernest is remembering the experiences of Camp Ernest, like he remembers the other lives right. of other Ernests. So now I'm like, wait, does Ernest just constantly making references to things he's never done that everyone else is baffled by, but we know that they're the lives of other Ernests? If so, are all the stories that the various Ernests tell memories of other Ernests in other universes whose movies we haven't seen? <laughs> explaining his long and impossibly storied past are you looking for like a genuine like yeah answer from me because that that is a baffling <laughs> series of questions um where my mind immediately went to when you asked that was oh maybe Ernest is a replicant kind of like the show dollhouse <laughs> that sort of thing i mean they're not replicants but in that same sort of way where it's like their memories just get wiped but like some echoes remain afterwards i feel like these are these are parallel Ernests. Yeah. In parallel dimensions that occasionally their memories overlap. There's a shared consciousness. Like one Ernest touches a mirror and on the other side of the <laughs> mirror is like an Ernest from a different movie. Well, because like think about Ernest Goes to Camp. He talks about being on a riverboat. Does he? Yes. He talks about how he was on a riverboat and like and played poker there. And we kind of laugh it off as like he's making stuff up. But what if he's just remembering another Ernest life? Huh. Like the movie that was never shot, Ernest goes to see <laughs> Ernest or, at the tables. Or, or is that like a family album Ernest reference? Ernest Royale. It's starting to come together. It's like the Ernest multiverse bleeds it. Like he kind of catches these memories from other Ernests and then says them as if they're his memories. And other people are like, what is he talking about? Right. So here's what I'm going to pitch. You and I write a limited run comic series, <laughs> six issues where all of the disparate universe Ernests meet and team up. But they'll create a, a universe-destroying paradox. And it's called Crisis on Infinite Worlds. <laughs> Finally, I get Wait, a use for that title. To, how do we sell this? Um, easily is, I think, the answer <laughs> to that question. Oh, man. So this is like five minutes into the movie, right? So Ernest and the... Wasn't there a movie we were talking about? <laughs> so, um... So Army Dump. So Ben's girlfriend. Yes. Whose name is Baby. Yeah, a woman... As far as I can tell, she's not in a corner. A woman walks up and interrupts their conversation. By the way, Ben is eating pork rinds with hot sauce. Oof. Yoinks. Oof. <laughs> this lady who's really into that, she walks up and she says, Hey, Ben, it's time to go or something. And he says, Sure, baby. And then he introduces her to Ernest as baby. Yeah, I was like, is this a joke that just didn't land? That's what or... I was asking, too. Like, yeah. is she is her name actually baby? Like, I checked the credits to see if her name was baby. Yeah. But it, she just is credited as Girlfriend attractive or woman or something ah. like that. So I'm thinking, it, well, it's either that the joke was that her name was baby and it didn't land. Or Ben has no respect for women. Like half the men in this movie. <laughs> yep, yep. Probably in the latter. Uh, it could be a little column A, a little rude. column B. So Ben and Baby leave, and this gets Ernest like sort of lamenting, like, oh, gosh, I wish I had a girlfriend. Very 
Oh. Explicitly. Like, he's never said this so explicitly. Yeah. Like, this has been building. Sure. He had his first fantasy. Ernest goes to school. He he wants to get with Irma and Slam Dunk Ernest. And then there's the romantic comedy that, that he didn't get together with the girl. And Ernest right. goes to Africa when he should have. And now he's at the point where he's just like, I just want a girlfriend. Yeah. Like, I just want a girlfriend. I'm so lonely. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's extremely heartbreaking. My heart like cracked in half when he said that i went no however there is an oh, object uh, uh, there is a uh, an apple of his eye if you will she's too young uh, i agree with that <laughs> but this cindy is swanson. this is uh cindy swanson uh 1990s newswoman of the world she is uh like lois lane red-headed lois lane kind now, of was this like a 90s thing because I think so. because she is one thousand percent the reporter from 1998's Godzilla, even though this is, is a year earlier. This is a '90s thing. This is strong '90s career-focused woman. Absolutely. And reporter is a, I think, uh, archetypal like a, kind of a, and like a dynamic job kind of. It's one where they have to deal with men, and men like go move aside, little lady. Yeah. So uh, currently, she's a young reporter who wants to make a name for herself, and she works at Channel Three News. Yep. Ernest is watching her on the TV at the ammo. She's doing a story about some guy who collects beetles. His name is Mr. Beetleman. Yes, she's got kind of like a uh, a, a Robin Scherbatsky thing where they're giving her like the fluff pieces, like the, yeah. the sort of like nonsense stories. Well, she complains that she's been at the station for over a year and is still getting fluff pieces. Like, that's not that long. That's true. I think she needs to be patient. But Jeez, she's what a, way what a millennial too young. way to think. <laughs> she's, she comes off as so young. This is Ernest's. A love interest, but at this point, it's this thing that happens with male leads, pretty much with every popular male lead actor, is that they get older and older and older, but their love interests stay the same age. How old would you say Cindy Swanson is supposed to be? 29. Okay, yeah, I was going to say like early 30s. Yeah, like I would say there. about 30. Yeah. But at this point, Ernest is no... <laughs> He's, um... Yes. No. Either either way, regardless, <laughs> it's, um... He's just too old for this love interest. Yep, I can see it. That's my opinion. <laughs> She's not a Renee. I mean, we're not going to beat Renee. What are we doing with Cindy here? Yeah. I mean, Cindy's... But Cindy's all right, you know. Yeah. And she aspires to work for the major cable news network, I-N-N-I. I-N-N-I. Is it supposed to be like a belly button joke? Like it's any? I don't I think understand. It's just inter- I think it's just funny that it's a palindrome. I guess. Like sometimes, like, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes the jokes in the Ernest films, like I can't tell if they are jokes or if they're just like <laughs> kind of like tweaked enough to be a little weird. I think the there's a play where like it's a palindrome and it sounds like it could be real. But just the fact a little bit that goofy. it's a palindrome that it makes it goofy. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. But like she doesn't have that because I and I's reporter is Frank Williams, who like frequently reports on the status of the Karifistan <laughs> invasion. And now for a special report from Frank Williams at the INNI Foreign Desk in London. Frank Williams is the, the Casey Wong of this movie. He's uh, sort of giving the updates in a RoboCop fashion. But Cindy wants to be Frank Williams. She That's wants true. to be the one commenting on Operation Sand Trap. Yes, continuing <laughs> the golf metaphor. Anyways, actually, the wanting of a girlfriend, the Ernest's loneliness does play a pretty significant role in him actually enlisting in the Army Reserve. Because, like, when he walks out of the ammo dump, this happy couple walks up. They're, like, approaching the ammo dump, and he sees them and kind of, like, slouches in a depressed way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. He, I wrote, he's so lonely, someone help him. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody write that him. fanfic where Renee gets bored with 
Todd Lafsky. Like, <laughs> he needs someone. Coming next week, Todd Lafsky goes to podcasts. No, heck no. Todd Lafsky's <laughs> out of the picture. Right after that, he decides, yeah, I'm going to enlist. I'm going to join the Army Reserve. He says he'd be an expert at driving the big rigs. You know, the way he delivers this realization struck me as very funny. Because he's just like, he does that snap f- finger and he's like, the Army. Maybe that's it. Like, 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 like this idea that just, was just came explicitly out of, suggested to me five yeah, minutes like ago for like the entirety of the movie Say. so far. Yeah, exactly. It's like, where did you get that idea, Ernest? And then he imagines himself as Sergeant Glory. Yes. Which oh, yes. Sergeant Glory has. I don't think he's Ernest. At some point, kind of talks like Sergeant Glory in Scared Stupid, but it wasn't Sergeant Glory. It was just Ernest doing a voice. A little bit in like Africa too, when he's talking about the various protective suits. Yeah, but this. This is Sergeant Glory. Oh, 100%. A costume and He's all. He's in the yeah. costume. Yeah, Sar- Sergeant Glory. It is great to see Sergeant Glory. This is actually, I think, one of the few times Sergeant Glory has made me laugh. Like, he's never really hit that sweet spot for me. Okay, I Of, like, that. serious and absurd. Mm-hmm. But here he does. I think because he's talking about this big army vehicle. It has enduro flex suspension, monoflatulating carburation, and all muscles made after 1997 has the extra large uh, cup holder. Monoflagellating made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, but it's also the way he's reacting to the truck. Like as he's talking about the vehicle's features, it's like falling apart, and the way he tries to play off like nothing happened. Yeah, that made me laugh. I mean, this this truck looks like like a crash dummies vehicle. Like it looks like it's Maybe like it clued together from like various <laughs> disparate parts. Well, it's a vehicle imagined. It's Ernest's dream army rig. It's fun. Like I I feel like one thing that came back in this movie that was missing from like Africa mm. was like kind of like fun design like neat like this feels like contraption-y in a way where it's like oh that's a that's, little bit that's got some nice design there's a lot of interesting design in this movie as far as fake product placement is concerned like there's a bunch of fake yeah, products i think in this movie. like everything that ben eats yes yeah there is a lot of i would say art design yes absolutely in this movie which is fun and yes actually earlier and this this comes into play later in the film but early in the film there's an ad for ooey gooey toad gummies is there i didn't notice the ad it's like it's like a billboard yeah oh, that's great and it says like super sticky stuff which immediately made me think of super sticky sludgy stuff <laughs> and then dr ada's invention oh so sticky it says on the ad awesome and as we will find out later correct see I, that's the kind of thing i always appreciated about Ernest movies is i'm glad to see that here yeah the ads the in-universe ads so Ernest decides to join the army reserves sure the army it's like summer camp for middle-aged men who don't know what <laughs> fantasy football is <laughs> he arrives at the army base and um there are just like a couple of shirtless joggers leaving the base it's like summer camp are they soldiers? Are I they... think so. Okay. He joins in the army. So then Ben and another character, like Corporal Davis, they called him. Who okay. I just called Baby John Cherry. Ah, yes. He looks just like a Baby John Cherry. Oh, see, I didn't know if he was actually related to John Cherry. Uh, he is. Oh. It's John Cherry's son. Oh. So I just kind of called him Baby Cherry in all my notes. Gotcha. So he, Ernest and John Cherry and Baby Cherry sing. <laughs> they switch out Ernest's hat for an army hat, which look exactly the same. 
Yes. And then they switch out his colors. It's kind of like jail. It is. Like, yeah. Ernest is just, he's wearing an Ernest costume, but they're just, like, army colors. Like, right. he's got, like, an olive green vest and then, like, a lighter green t-shirt yep. and khaki pants. I, I have to say, this would not work as camouflage. I don't understand why he's allowed to wear this and everyone else has to wear, like, the gray t-shirt that says army reserve or whatever right. on it. And Because he's a cartoon. And then, like, yeah, for the rest of the movie, everyone else is in camo, but he is still in his green Ernest uniform. And once again, as they are dressing him, in my head, I'm like, oh, is this all there is to joining the army? You just get an outfit? And then on screen, Ernest says, wait, what about boot camp? What, what about, about all, all the stuff all I need this, to do? Yeah, like, what about all this preparation work <laughs> that I need to do before I join the army? And they tell him, you're not in the real army, you're in the this reserves. The reserves. We drive trucks on the weekend. And then they sing like an army people like Mickey Mouse song. A-R-M. Why? Why? Because we're army people. P-O-P-L-E. Poop? Poople. Okay, I was really confused by this moment. And then they ask each other, wait, popple? They say poople. Oh, poople, sorry. But it yes. would be popple. Yes. And then the claw appears. <laughs> wait, what? From like Inspector Gadget. Oh, Dr. Claw. The Dr. Claw, right. Why is he in the movie? So Dr. Claw appears. It's not really Dr. Claw, but we cut to the uh, headquarters of Financial International Terrorism, or FIT, as, as the acronym <laughs> would be. Financial. Okay. And this is literally a James Bond villain and theme song. Right. A cat is being stroked. People are in <laughs> shadowed silhouette. There's a shadowy silhouette sitting in a chair stroking this long-haired white cat. And then another guy comes in and says that Tafuti has a Pluton missile and the Claw, Dr. Claw wants it. No excuse, Boyar, but we have no information of missile origins. With that missile, Comrade Blatz, we could blackmail entire world. These guys aren't really enemies of Tafuti. They're kind of like either rivals, competitors. Yeah, they, they're rivals. Yeah. They, they're like, how did a how did a pipsqueak despot? Yes, like Tafuti. That's a pretty a, good phrase. Get a pluton missile, and they were like, we don't know the origins of the missile. I said it's France, but this is like sort of corporate terrorism to contrast. Yeah. with- Yeah. Um, well, golf is evil. Uh, money is evil. Yep. I feel like this is a '90s thing too. Like this villain was in a ton of '90s movies. I mean, this Inspector Gadget. The movie is two years later. <laughs> uh, hashtag zeitgeist. And Dr. Claw continues to pop up throughout the movie. And they just keep giving him updates. Like, yeah, we Tafuti's still got the missile. It's All right, very... try to get it. Okay. Yeah, exposition. Every single time they cut to Dr. Claw, I was like, oh, right, this guy's in the movie. Yes. Because he never feels he's connected. In... That's exactly right. He, w- he's in the movie, but I wouldn't say he's a part of the movie. Him and his assistant never interact with anyone else in the movie and are in a completely different location. It almost feels so like... So he might as well not be there, except to give a reason why the fifth bad guy turns against them at the end. But then we're back to uh, the narrator-prisoner guy, right? Narrator-prisoner guy. Oh, yeah, what's he talking about? Uh, this is the introduction of our kid character in the movie. Ben! Introduction of Ben Ali. My note on him, on his introduction is, he's got a vest. That's your note? Yeah. I was just like, oh. <laughs> I love this kid's costume. We know costume. he's Team Ernest. Yeah, this kid's costume is actually like my favorite costume it's in really the movie. It's really good. It's really great. Like yeah. he looks quirky and adventurous and, and a little bit impoverished. He's like uh, a little bit raggedy, but but cool. He's, like, he's kind of like grunge Aladdin. And that's, I don't, I, yeah, that's I don't great. Mean, I don't mean grunge in the sense of like dirty. I mean grunge like the music. Like, yes, yeah. like flannelly. Like, yeah, he's wearing like a flannel shirt and he has a vest over it and like a, a shoulder bag. He has shoes that are like. 
like kid looks super cool. He does, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm jealous. And he's a really good actor to boot. My note is this kid is fantastic. Yep, agreed. He's amazing. His name is Krista Davids. I don't know where he's a he's a man our age now. Yes, if if you're out there and listening, can we interview you? You're amazing. Yes, and he is like Aladdin because I I had Aladdin's theme in my head like one jump because he's going through he's like in an Arabian marketplace where he steals an apple. Yeah. He's trying to sell, like, some Arabic businessman the charm of the Geshwa's thing that he tries to rip people off with, and the guy's not buying it at all. Now, is that a real thing? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because I almost, I couldn't tell if they were saying charm of Geshwa. Like, hey, guess what? That's what I thought it was. I thought the play on words was, like, the guess what yeah. charm. Like, like it almost I, felt like that joke of, like, stupid person says what? He definitely made it up. Right. I mean, the kid is he's just trying to get someone to he's, buy he's crafty. a worthless trinket because he's hungry. Right. And then he tries tries to steal like yeah an apple out from under the businessman and they yell at him and like as he's running away like he falls with the apple in his hand and then it cuts to Ben the army sergeant so with have, an apple in his got hand two Bens yes we got Ben Ali this kid it's a cut across apples and a cut across Ben it's a it's a Ben to Ben apple cut it's a Ben to Ben apple match cut that's <laughs> <laughs> Because Correct. this film is genius, clearly. Yep. yep. So now that Ernest is in the army reserve, he gets to drive the big army rig. Correct. So he's driving. Ben is riding shotgun, eating his apple, which is like the healthiest thing we see him eat in this entire movie. That's true. And it's probably just there to motivate the cut. <laughs> yeah. Ben is extremely out of character in that he's eating an apple. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... I mean, ever since we first saw him in the Ernest film franchise, yeah. it's a strange turn for this character. This isn't the Ben that I know. <laughs> He is eating an apple, so they're driving along, and then Ernest turns out to be really bad at driving a giant car, because he almost crashes into a limousine that is carrying two people from the UN. Yes, this is Ambassador Kitchen and Colonel Gullet from the UN Peacekeeping Force. Yeah. The names in the Ernest universe. Colonel Gullet. Yeah. He's a permanent, like, melted, frowny face. Yes, he's very... He was in the microwave for a few he's seconds like a humorless British man. Yes. And he wears a beret, carries a cane. And they are having a discussion about things specific to American army brass, essentially. How, oh, they're, they're, how, like... how they're only interested in publicity. It's like, is that a thing? Uh, apparently it is because we then cut to the <laughs> are uh, Amer- American generals known for being interested only in publicity. I mean, you know those Americans; they're just <laughs> I don't know. flashy, fame-chasing wannabes. Specifically, American generals. Yes, on- in the only army. only that rank yeah. of the army reserves of the United <laughs> States of America. So we meet the general and his right-hand man immediately. It's the Mighty Work yes. Boys from Ernest Rides Again. I was delighted to see them again because it's another Ernest Rides Again callback, yes. And these guys are great. They're still they great. Yeah. They're a great duo. Now remember, General, be sure to look straight into the cameras. America and the rest of the world is staring back at you. Can I look at my notes? Don't look at your notes. Don't look at my notes? Don't look at your notes. And don't take any questions from that round haircut at CBS. Oh, I hate that dork. Yeah, me too. You got your non-medals on? Affirmative. I like them even more in these roles than I did in Ernest Rides Again. I think they have more nuanced roles mm. in this. They were kind of robots in Ernest Rides Again, and yeah, they they, were, they also shared a brain. They were a little shticky in that movie, I think. Well, they shared a brain in Ernest Rides Again, so they were like kind of like the same exact person. Right. But they are two distinct characters That's in true. this that play off of each other rather than as the same character. They do still share a brain a little bit, though, which is interesting. They have a very quick back and forth yeah. repartee. Yeah. It seems like these actors have probably known each other for yeah, yeah. a while. 
while. Like they went to the same improv. What's that like? Thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wish I had that with someone, Dave. I know. Maybe someday. So I wonder, are the Mighty Work Boys also running around here somewhere? A different <laughs> universe. Driving man or they around. are also the since this is a different universe, they are the same guys, except now they're a general and his right hand man. Huh. Could this be like a Back to the Future type thing where maybe someone keeps going back in time and changing something in the far distant past? Hmm. And every time it does, the present changes around Ernest. So like everything. That could also be like every Ernest movie could be a different change made to the past. Exactly. That alters Ernest's circumstances and experiences. So like some of the stuff is maintained, but some of it isn't. And then certain character types change, but they look the same or would be the same. Be an explanation. Yeah. If every different decision creates a new universe. Right. Then yeah. Yeah. It's all the splinter timelines. Yeah. So we have Ernest 1997 That's what it is. ABC. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, we figured it out, everybody. Only 15 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. That's right. And yes, General Lincoln. Yeah. And his advisor, Pierre Barnes. Yep. So their dynamic is the general really wants to impress the public right. and come off like a strong leader. And Barnes puppets him and just basically like tells the general everything to do and say. And he like gleefully is puppeting this general behind the scenes. He's also kind of like the, the general's agent a little bit. You know what I mean? In like a show busy yeah. sort of way. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. He's yeah. like, oh, baby, you'll be a star if you just follow yeah, my you're lead. Yeah, star general. Yeah, five star. So the UN people, so Ambassador Kitchen and Colonel Gullet, again, one of our five bad guys in this movie, (laughs) they tell them that the 97th Reserve Unit that Ernest just joined, they will be shipped out to Karifistan to be Colonel Gullet's support team for their mission, their peacekeeping mission. Right. 97th Reserve Unit, this movie is 1997. Ah, That's a neat little touch. So then like the creepy-ass Barnes calls Cindy Swanson to tell her, to give her this scoop. Yes. Yeah, like Barnes like goes to his office and he calls Cindy while... Playing with his gun. He uh, unloads <laughs> He unloads a clip directly into his crotch. That made me laugh. It like was, when it he was dropped, very well timed. When, yeah. when the clip drops right on the gun and directly onto his crotch and he like jerked. <laughs> <laughs> like that was hilarious. It was very good. He starts the phone call by saying like. He's like, remember me? Hey, baby. Remember he, me? He does also call her baby. And I was just like. Ugh. He just tells her like what happened. That like the 97th unit is shipping out to Karifistan. And she's like, thanks. And hangs up, which is like the best course of action, obviously. That's how Cindy ends up going to Karifistan, too. Right. She's like, I got to get this story. It stows away while they go, basically. They don't go yet. Yes. First, we have the um, introduction of Colonel Gullet to the 97th Reserve Unit. He goes out to the guys. They're just like playing catch on a Saturday at the Army Reserve. Probably jogging shirtless. (laughs) And saying, hey, you guys are actually shipping out to the Middle East. First, the scene starts with Ernest and Ben are having a blast being at the Army Reserve. Ernest is eating an entire box of ooey-gooey toad gummies. Right. They're being all they can be. They're very sticky. Ben says they're too sticky for him to eat. Ernest says it takes... He says eating these things is a skill few real men possess. There's Not only do you have to be a real man, you have to be one of the select few real men that can do this. The real men of the real men. Yeah. Yes. It's <laughs> that, I mean, this Ernest in the army, again, as, as ever, it's Ernest's reach mm-hmm. at masculinity. So it's interesting. Consistent. Yes. Ernest, you're enough of a man. Uh, my note on this was, this really is another chapter in the Ernest becomes a man thing. Yeah. 
Always. Yeah. So Ernest is like pouring these gummies into his mouth and like chewing like in this wide angle lens like disgustingly. Yeah. And the fact that I find this extremely endearing just speaks to my affection for both Ernest and Jim Barney. Correct. I'm just like, oh, he's adorable. It's gross. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, But again, though, um, he's trying to pull one out of his mouth or something. Yeah, and it's it's stretching. One of the gummies is stretching to a insane degree. And then Ben walks up and with a pair of scissors and cuts the thing and I was like he's, he's Vern, Vern. <laughs> oh he's Vern again later on in a way that's horrifying I'll be interested when we get to there <laughs> so so then they go line up then they introduce Colonel Gullet and he like this is very obviously like they've never gotten like actual orders to do anything before and they're yeah. like wait what because he's like you're gonna be shipped out to Kurifistan on the peacekeeping mission and you're gonna be my support team and you're gonna like cook meals and clean toilets like just like support or right. the grunt work but it's also kind of like again the sort of like masculinity thing where he's also talking about how being overseas will harden them as a group that kind well, of well he's very unimpressed yeah exactly the 97th reserve unit in Valdosta Georgia specifically Ernest because Ernest is uh, chewing, still chewing on this thing yeah but he also starts protesting as soon as right. he hears they're going to Kyrgyzstan he's the only one that's like Wait, what? Well, he again, he's like, I just got here. Like, <laughs> That's like, right. That's <laughs> like, absolutely right. I just got here. Wait, what? So th- We need to go back and watch the other films and just like pay attention for <laughs> the wait, I just got here uh, moments. I don't know that it happens again. But Thank you, Dan. Could. So he's like, I... I can't go to Kyrgyzstan. I don't know anyone there, and I don't speak Kyrgyzstanese. And then so Colonel Gullet takes great offense to this. He's angry that Ernest is eating gummy toads. Ernest offers a gummy toad to the general because he's Ernest. Sure. And he's ordered to get rid of them, so he just, like, pours the whole box into his mouth. Yeah. So there's a box full of gummies in his giant mouth, which he's chewing, and there's, like, the most disgusting, like... And the box! So, of course... You guys know where this is going. <laughs> what else would he do? Yeah. He can't leave. In Ernest's defense, He's left I had the same first thought No other that option. I, I had the same first thought that he did. Also, his mouth is wide enough for this. It, he yes. puts the entire box into his mouth and just starts chewing. Like, he's just, I'm just going to swallow all of this and get rid of it. You know, speaking of wide mouths, this might be the only Ernest film I can think of where he does not, we don't get a, wah, anywhere in the film. He doesn't wah I don't think point? so. Because <gasps> I, uh, he yeah, doesn't, I guess Because I, I take such pleasure in it. Yeah. And, uh. I don't think I don't he does wah. Yeah. Oh. He does you. He does. In yeah. the scene. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. The scene. <laughs> so, okay, so what, what happens, happens is Aaron? Ernest, <laughs> he's chewing this disgustingly. Colonel God's yelling at him. He says, shoulders back, and then he says, stomach in, and like basically hits Ernest in the stomach. Right. At which point, Bad idea. Ernest kind of... If he had swallowed it, it would be projectile vomit, but it's not. It just, it all comes out of his mouth. He just like spits out everything in his mouth onto the colonel's face. I think a word for it might be uh, patui. It is very much like vomit. It makes a vomit. He yes. goes, blah, and it comes out. It would be disgusting if it wasn't so cartoony. Yeah, because it's like multicolored. It's like very brightly colored. It's like a, some sort of Haribo nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> also, Ernest is like disgusted by this, even though he did it. Right. Like he's so revolted by what came out of his mouth. Yeah. Colonel! <laughs> 
And the general, by the way, finds this hysterical, which I appreciate. He starts laughing. But this is this kind of stood out to me as a camp parallel because now the colonel can't breathe. Oh my god, he can't breathe! Don't worry, Colonel. You'll be able to breathe in just a minute. (laughs) And then Ernest gets the idea to like stretch the gummies all the way to this truck. Yes. He stretches it so far that it actually just like pulls the truck towards General. So the truck just runs over. Oh, not the general, Colonel. The right. truck just runs over Colonel Gullet. It takes the gummy thing off with him, right. but he has been run over by a truck. Yes. The general is delighted. Although Ben and Ernest do get called into his office the they next day. They have to day. be reprimanded. Correct. Yeah. Uh, which I guess is maybe just like a, a show of force um, I think he has to. Deal. He has to assert his authority. He has exactly. to show discipline. To that point, we actually do see him and Pierre practicing like. <laughs> That's great. I just yeah. like how insecure the general is. He's like, how, how tough should I be? He's, he's a good character. <laughs> I like him a lot. And Barnes tells him, be like an iron fist. In a soft glove. Yeah, that's pretty good. So they, yeah, they go into the general's office. The general starts yelling at Ernest. Ben tries to step in and speak up for him. And then he starts getting yelled at. Right. Because the general's being as tough as an iron fist in a A soft soft glove. glove. Right. At which point Ben is a massive heart attack. Yeah. Due to his diet of pork rinds and foreshadowing sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's great too because as he's like collapsing from the heart attack. Oh, yeah. The general immediately reacts like, oh, I, I knew was, it too I, I was too tough. And like the run that he does yeah, out of the room. He does this cartoon like, like frantic like run out great, of the room. It's, it's says, a great sprint. So Ernest is just left alone with Ben. And he says, I learned CPR on Oprah. And you see like Vern, I'm sorry, Ben's point of view. First of all, that's uh, mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, not CPR, Ernest. Right. But cut two. Ben in the hospital, <laughs> Ernest hovering over him. Oh, no. Ben Which, is Vern. This goes worse than any Ernest ad has ever gone. Oh, yeah. This is like, far this beyond is the far leaning beyond on a cast. Padding a cast. Yep. This is on par to me with the killing Jake scene Ooh. in Ernest Goes to Africa. Should I describe what yeah, happens? You go- yeah. I don't have any notes other than horrifying. <laughs> so Ernest is consoling a, a Ben who is who is laid up unconscious in the hospital. Yep. He's he got tr- an IV. He's got an IV drip. Heart monitor. Ernest turns to leave the room. Keep in mind, this is after Ernest has given this speech about how Ben is his only friend. Yes. And he doesn't know what he would do without Ben. Correct. And he'll say a little prayer for him. And then... Ernest trips over one of the stands, which yanks the needle out of... The IV drip. Yeah, yanks the IV drip out Out of of Ben's Ben's arm. arm. Ben starts seizing. Yep, the uh, heart monitor starts beeping in a way that I'm like, is that even how heart monitors should beep? It sounds very incorrect and concerning. He starts seizing because Ernest is like, I'll put the needle back and just starts like stabbing stabbing it at various locations on Ben's arm, which I think could kill him with an air bubble. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Ernest, not a doctor. I could not even watch this. Same. I was turned, I covered my eyes, like just like the Jake scene. It's horrible. It's horrible. Stay in there now. Oh, I gotta get it going. Ernest is like, okay, Ben, bye. I hope you feel better. And you just see, like, the last shot is just Ben, like, gurgling. Yes. And you're like, oh, he's dead. He died. <laughs> he couldn't have survived. It's like, well, we we started with a fish death in the in the previous film and now we are we're up to full human death in an earnest movie. Cuz we all thought he was dead at this yes. point, right? Yeah. Kids movie? Question mark? Mm, more than Africa? Yeah. Well, there's a Which kid isn't in it. saying much. Yeah. 
Which helps a great deal. We actually go to Ben Ali after this, and there's a narration about from this resistance fighter. Yes. Who, spoiler alert, it's Ben's father. Right. But we don't know that. We find out at the end of the movie, yeah. You kind of thought he was a grown up Ben Ali. I did think that. Which I think would have been awesome, too. It's really good casting because I think these guys look, the kid looks like this guy. Absolutely, yeah. The guy's really good, too, the narrator. He's He's he's, great. He's got a great theatrical, like, cadence to his voice. He's got great narration diction. Gravitas. Yeah. Yes. yes, yeah. And he's um, talking about how the beast lured the eagle by devouring the defenseless. He's very eloquent. <laughs> he's watching the Flowery. movie with us. Yeah. Well, I think we also see some footage of uh, Tafudi at this point getting people in his group to sort of rally behind him, still holding with the golf, golf club. club yeah. Behold my special club. And he does that sort of like Tuscan Raider thing. <laughs> with a golf club, yeah. Yeah, he's I was like, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I didn't even mention Tafudi's assistant, Kibi. Oh, yeah. I love Kibi. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's got this right-hand man who's just like, he's not like a tough or muscle at all. He's just like this really mild-mannered he's like, like a, He's got guy. like a, a deep Roy face, sort of. He was a cutie. <laughs> he's hilarious. He's good too, yeah. He has one of the best jokes in the movie, I think. But anyways, so now we're commencing Operation Sand Trap. Yes. They're sending American aid to help the uh, Kyrgyzstan people. And also on board the uh, deployment vehicle is uh, Cindy Swanson yeah, Cindy from Channel 3. Yeah, like, sneaks on to the plane dressed as a soldier. Yes. She kind of looks like Conan O'Brien. She's just like a <laughs> like, I mean, like I don't mean that in like a bad way, but she, there's just, there is a resemblance. She's got the same she's hair. She's very pretty, but she has like the same face structure and the same like skin tone. I could see them. Yeah, I could see them being uh, related. related or from the same uh, area. Yeah. Heritage-wise. Yes. The touch of the Irish. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> she sends a couple of seats over from Ernest, stowed away on the plane. Ernest, who is holding a oh god a parachute and talking about how you should always fold and pack your own parachute. And his parachute says, reject, reject parachute. parachute. Do not use. <laughs> In giant letters. Yes. But Ernest is dyslexic. Well done, Ernest. Baby Cherry, Corporal Davis. Yeah. He tells Ernest, like, when they come back, they'll be desert heroes. Yes. And then Ernest has this fantasy that he's Lawrence of Arabia. Desert heroes. Legends of the Sudan. Yeah, Ernest says, legends of the Sudan. And then... There's a fantasy where he's doing a monologue. He he's dressed just like Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence yep. of Arabia, and he's doing a beautiful monologue. He is. It's gorgeous. Yep. What is the measure of a man? A yardstick, nay, his heart, his dedication to God and country, the sort of car he drives. Give me a man who will work through lunch, battling insurmountable odds to spit his last bloody breath into the face of the enemy. But this is what our frequent guest Elisa was talking about when she said that, like, sometimes in the middle of an Ernest movie, Jim Barney just starts auditioning for a different movie. Correct. This Uh, is the most extreme example of that. That is an apt observation in this case. (laughs) So he's doing a Lawrence of Arabia fantasy monologue. Yep. And is in this fantasy sinking into quicksand. As yeah, as he's doing the speech, he's like gradually sinking. <laughs> and he even takes out a sword and starts saying, "No prisoners, no prisoners." So I googled "no prisoners," and it's from Lawrence of Arabia. Oh well, there you go. There you go. So we get to Karifistan. Yeah, they're in Karifistan. The guys are marching along this beach on the sand. Ernest has this giant cooler and a bunch of things on his shoulders that he said he should have checked in baggage. Yeah, because he doesn't understand what's happening. Ernest is the mom again. Should have checked a lot of this stuff with the baggage. Hey, does anybody want a juice? 
think I've got some olive loaf. It made me think of like uh, Slam Dunk Ernest again, taking the photos from he the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, he also brought lemonade. Exactly. <laughs> All Ernest. He means well. He wants to he be does. liked. And Barnes and the General are doing this photo shoot. There's often photo shoots. The General is either like doing something for the press or he's doing a photo shoot. He's like an army cover model. Turn your body toward me, sir. I want to try and catch that flight of F-18s in the background. No, no they're, they're ours. They're ours, sir. God bless them. And then Ernest stops everyone marching because he sees a baby blue jellyfish on the ground. Yes. This is another very disturbing scene. Yes. Because they kill this jellyfish, right? Unclear. I don't understand the, I don't know the physiology yeah, of jellyfish. Yeah, me either. Because Ernest stops everyone from marching. They're like, we can't hurt this baby jellyfish. Right. So then you care about it? Well, And then Colonel Gullet reprimands him for stopping the unit. Yeah. Which is, is fine. That makes sense. Uh-huh. But so then Colonel Gullet punishes Ernest for stopping by having him do push-ups. He yeah. says, give me 20. Ernest tries to give him 20 bucks. I laughed at that because... I missed that. I'm easy. Yeah. I don't even know if he gets like the full joke out before he's forced to yeah, uh, he's, he's put, drop into he, the plank position. Yeah, he put him to the ground. His face is going into the jellyfish. It's horrifying. And then I have a, another note on the push-ups from when you and I watched this together, which is in all caps, I believe this was you... Why does he do a thousand? Yeah, okay. It dissolves. <laughs> Everyone is gone and Ernest is still there. And he counts to, I wrote, 1,226. I Why mean, does he do 1,226 push-ups? Listen, man, those arms aren't going to come from nowhere. He said 20, right? He absolutely did, yes. Okay, I don't know why he continues. I feel like maybe Ernest got to like 15 or 16 and then got lost in thought. <laughs> and then just like the, the motion just kept going. And this is where Ernest and Ben Ali meet. That's right, yeah. Ben runs up and sees this dumb American <laughs> in his estimation. Like right. He pegs Ernest immediately well, like he, as a gullible American. He's like, oh, a mark. Yeah. <laughs> ben Ali is a pitch man. Yeah, this is Ben being a pitch man to Ernest P. Worrell, yeah. American pitch man. <laughs> yep. There are some strange and dangerous cults and curses in the Middle East. Yeah, I know. I saw him on cable. So you know you need one of these, or all manner of trouble will befall you. The charm of Geshwa. Let me see that. Fifty bucks, U.S. Fifty bucks? Do I look like I have stupid written all over my face? Sixty bucks. And it's adorable. Like, the yeah. look on this kid's face as he reads Ernest is is really cute. It's a good gag. And he successfully sells Ernest the Geshwa charm. He says it also has good luck, which I think was the original pitch. Like, this is a <laughs> good has luck good, charm. It has good luck, it but it also, also has, has good, good luck. luck. And Ernest was like, wait, it has all the bells and whistles? <laughs> what? Ben says, all of them. Yeah, whatever you want, Ernest. Okay, $65, and that's my last offer. Okay, but you're robbing me. <laughs> yes, you robbing me is, is is a delightful button on the interaction. So, it's even better because then Ernest says he only has a $100 bill from his weird ATM. <laughs> ben says, wait here, I'll get you your change. And then runs off gleefully. And Ernest just waits there. It's like, I hope he brings a change back. Like, there's a wide shot of Ernest. Just standing on the beach. Just waiting. There's a dissolve. Time passes, Yeah. <laughs> It's got like a little bit of a, a grand scope to it. He says, I feel bad taking advantage of a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's so smart. 
<laughs> well, that's what you get. Yeah. There's a lot of that's what you get in this movie from me, by the way. <laughs> oh, but ne- what happens next is I wrote a montage of not Ernest's fault. Okay. So he gets, I guess it's the next day because he's back at the camp with all the other soldiers. Sure. Walk us through this. So, uh, well, <laughs> Colonel Gullet, he's giving them, it's like a tutorial as to how to be a soldier. And yes. It's, he's, he's training them. First, he shows them this poison gas. Yeah, it's like a biological weapon kind yeah, of. Yeah, that the enemy, he's just got a bottle of it. He's just like, this is the poison gas that the enemy uses. It can melt the skin off a Tyrannosaurus. At which which point we were both like, how do you know that? Like, (laughs) How how does one test that? Your hyperbole needs work, sir. So he gives them all gas masks and he's teaching them like how to use their gas mask. Right. And then for reasons unknown to us, (laughs) a scorpion, a gigantic scorpion climbs into Ernest's gas mask because of course. Yes. And then Ernest causes a big disturbance by being the only one with a scorpion in his in his gas mask. That'll do it. He's so disruptive. How dare I'm, you, Ernest? I'm so disappointed. Also, you're killing yourself with deadly toxins, yep. but I'm less concerned about that. Yeah, Ernest grabs the poison gas that can melt the skin of a dinosaur, right. pumping it into his own mask to kill, kill the scorpion. Kill the scorpion, yeah. Because he Ernest knows, I at, think. At this, he knows. He knows <laughs> that he is <laughs> unkillable. He knows. Poison gas. Uh, he's actually the ideal soul. He's a super soldier, basically. That's, he cannot be killed. <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> When's Ernest Civil War gonna happen? Uh, oh boy, versus Burn. Yeah. <laughs> ben was my friend. So, so was, was I. I. And then the next thing that happens to Ernest, Colonel Gullet is showing them these like little landmines that are disguised as rocks. Oh, I forgot about this. Yes. Yeah, so there's a one of these rocks is a fake rock that's actually a mine. Colonel Gullet has one of each. First, he gives it to Baby Cherry yep. to hold. Baby Cherry stupidly like switches like they're supposed he's supposed to pass them along to the next soldier and he stupidly like switches their positions as he passes them and the guys keep like mixing it up it's what? like they're shuffling cards as they pass it, it's the exactly mine that and the it's, rock it's of- some sort of like New York street magic that's happening <laughs> watch the lady which cup is the ball under and the last person to hold them is Ernest of course he's the only one that seems concerned as to which is which by the way well you know he's you- the only one that looks at both of them like uh. You use the word stupid, and I don't like to use that word lightly, but it is stupid to have, like, a rock-shaped mine, and you don't mark the sample that you're trying to <laughs> no. use to demonstrate. Like, Yeah, you don't need, they don't need to be indistinguishable exactly. from each other. Colonel-ing, you're doing it wrong. And then Colonel Gullet it yells at him, give you the mine. The mine, yeah. So he does the, like, eeny, meeny, miny, one potato, two potato, like the mellow, yeah. the mellow yellow versus Mountain Dew gag. It's exactly that. He chooses one to give to... The colonel, and he throws the other one towards an outhouse that the general is in. Yeah, yeah. outhouses in Karifistan apparently don't have roofs. Why would they? Uh, because he basically slam dunk Ernest's it. <laughs> yeah, he sinks it. Like a nice golf shot, yeah, actually. Yeah, it explodes, but explosions don't kill anyone in this movie, so. Right. People in movies in outhouses, they never seem to wipe. <laughs> you, you pointed that? that out. You just always see them like coming out and pulling up their pants, and I was like, oh, do they yeah. ever? Do they ever? <laughs> We really want to get into this right now? No. <laughs> anyway. Well, speaking of ad, Ernest, is next up the pancake scene? No, well, next up is the Ernest befriending. Oh, sorry, yes. It's, I guess, Ernest's turn to cook breakfast, and he's Jar Jar Binks, like, walking his <laughs> way towards the kitchen. 
it's a more subdued Jar Jar Binks walk, but it sure. is a Jar Jar Binks walk. The, the energy is not quite yeah. there. Yeah. Well, he's tired. Yeah. And he walks by Ben Ali, little Ben Ali, right. being beaten up and I guess robbed by uh, these three random kids. Yeah. They're beating this little kid. No! Stop! Leave me alone! That's mine! Hey! What's going on there? Come on, you leave go. that boy alone. This kind of showed to me how Ernest has aged. Oh, interesting. Because I feel like in previous movies, like, he would have ineffectually tried to stop these kids. Mm. But, like, now he's just like, hey, you kids, get out of here. And they run away, like, oh, my God. He he shakes his cane. Yeah, well, yeah, he's just like, get out of here. And they, like, scram, like, hurry up, run. It's the sort of no-nonsense that comes with age. Sure, yeah. I've never seen him so stern with children. He's never been stern. That's true. So so the, the kids leave... And Ben Ali immediately like is like, oh, you saved me, like hugging uh, he, him. Yeah, he, he looks and he starts apologizing for like swindling him, essentially. Yeah, it's really sweet because he hugs Ernest, and Ernest is like, like, what's this? Like, there's a kid hugging me, <laughs> but he like pats him, like it's okay, little fella. Yeah. Like, it's very sweet, and he's like, I owe you, you know, it's one of these. I'm in your forever in your debts. Yeah, he gives him the money back, best buddy forever, with some extra. Here's oh, your yeah. money with some extra, and I was like, hey, Ernest, give the little kid yeah, money back. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. I am good buddy now. Good buddy forever. Oh, my name is Ernest. Ben. Ben, close buddy to Ernest, eh? Um, Ben, I've got to go now and cook breakfast. Do you like pancakes? Yes. I kind of thought you would. And I wish that this scene had actually been followed by a scene in which they actually both enjoy pancakes. I was desperately hoping for pancakes Sadly, on parade. it is not. No, this is not. Although, <laughs> uh... I, you know, I do have I do have a note a little bit later that uh, Ben Ali, I wrote, is a harmony caliber accomplice for Ernest. Yeah. They, they are very in sync. They have a great rapport. Yeah, they do. Um, it still doesn't quite get to the harmony level. They don't, but it's... But it's great. I was... Imp- but it's this Ernest. It's a different Ernest than Ernest Saves Christmas Ernest. And for this Ernest, yeah. And I was impressed that they even got to that level. Yeah. This late in the game. Yeah. Well, when we were watching the movie and, like, Ben Ali showed up, you were like, oh, are they going to team up? And, like, yeah. you sounded really hopeful and I didn't want to say anything. Right. So I'm glad that made you happy. <laughs> it did. He's great. He is great. This is, like, a quality team up. Yes. So now we're, we're at the cooking with Ernesto scene. So, like, this is a bit that he's done before. He did it on Haver and It's Ernest, right? This cooking with Ernesto. Oh, I think so, Where he talks in, like, a French accent. Yes, Le Dang. And I think cooking comedy bits was, like, a Jim Barney thing. Because he, in his stand-up, he would do this, like, cooking with wine routine that was really funny. It's not at all like cooking with Ernesto, but it's really funny because the joke there was that you cooking with wine would be with an actual wino. So it's like a drunk guy. (laughs) It's just a drunk guy cooking. That's great. Uh, But the scene that follows is like he he makes horrible pancakes. Yes, he could because he accidentally or unintentionally mixes in tank pitch. tank tank patch. I think it's tank patch like you patch up a tank with this sort of like uh, um cement kind of I mean uh, they would have been bad anyway cuz he throws in whole eggs into the bowl with the shells oh, and yes. then puts pancake mix. <laughs> I was like, "Wait a second, you put bowl. eggs in a pancake?" Yeah. GI pancakes or as I called them, crepes khaki. First, we add a few eggs. The kid's reaction sells a lot of this, too. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they keep the tank patch right next to the military-grade pancake mix. I mean, yeah, that's just... They also keep pancake syrup next to motor oil. Why are these things in the kitchen? That that is a question I remember asking. (laughs) 
So these pancakes would have been like horrifying without the tank patch, but the, sure. the tank patch just makes them really heavy. Yeah, they're they're sort of leadened, is how I would imagine it. They fall, they crush one guy's foot. Yeah, but there's a great moment where one guy walks away with an injured foot, and then the next guy in line like looks really uncertain. <laughs> but I did feel a little bit betrayed at the idea of Ernest being bad at making pancakes. That's true. Because as that's far true. as we know, he was always really good at making pancakes. No, that's I think that's apt. Every time we've seen him with pancakes, they look delicious and they're fluffy and wonderful. And he, uh, the presentation is always His presentation is fantastic. His yeah. flipping is fantastic. I mean, his flipping is still great in this scene. Right. But this just to me was like hurt my heart a little bit, but I'm just taking it a that's Army Ernest. I was going to say, so maybe this universe's Ernest, like the one the major one difference is yeah. that he doesn't make good pancakes. I think that would have to be, yeah. Yeah. I felt bad for all the soldiers who have no breakfast. Yeah. One of them walks up with one of the concrete pancakes and tells Ernest, like, have you tried it? So Ernest takes, like, this bite out of it. And uh, Ben Ali even has to, like, jump on his, like, hat That's and start, great. like, pressing That's how down. you know there's a team. Yeah, because yeah, Ernest they're, they're, is like, trying to chew the pancake and Ben Ali, like, yep. helps him close his jaw around it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Though this is when Ernest says that it just needs a little syrup and then he's like ben can you hand me the pancake syrup ben hands him the motor oil because right. it's right next to the pancake syrup which by the way major wank or whoever he is <laughs> major wank. that's what his name is oh Glenn lord clearly see that ernest is about to drink motor oil and never says that's motor oil and you know another parallel to ernest rides again when ernest doesn't pay attention to the fact that he's eating steel wool uh, yeah. or drinking whatever the heck he drinks in that ink or something he drinks acid. Acid. Oh, sorry. <laughs> My mistake. Why wouldn't I remember? But then Ernest, like, he throws one of the pancakes, like... Like a Frisbee. Like a Frisbee, and it embeds itself into a tank. So then when Ben and Ernest go to retrieve the pancake, that's when they see Cindy Swanson. Yes. And now she's got a bunch of bags and is trying to get somebody to help her. She's got, like, the, uh, the Laura Dern from Jurassic Park look. <laughs> she's got a vest. Yeah. Oh. And she- <laughs> uh, can I help you with your bags? Oh, are you a mirage? Uh, no, ma'am. Southern Baptist. <laughs> oh, uh, another uh, hint at Ernest's, well, not a hint, a pretty explicit right. telling us what Ernest's uh, the beliefs is. But I like when Ernest sees Cindy Swanson, he freaks out and he's like, oh my God, Cindy Swanson is here. And then Ben Ali's like, is that your girlfriend? And he's like, well, not really. Like, not really in the sense that I see her on TV and we don't know each other at all. Yeah, I was going to say, by not really, you mean, no, No, not at all. all. (laughs) I did appreciate, though, that... um... He's aware of it, but he's just, he has to get from that point of his brain where he does consider her, his girlfriend, to reality. He makes that little journey in his explanation. (laughs) The other thing I appreciate is that it felt very much like a callback to Ad Ernest, where, like, of course, Ernest knows all the local TV news personalities. Oh, yeah, it's a close like, personal friend. I, I, could, I could see Cindy Swanson's head appearing in a crystal ball that Ernest then breaks. It's Cindy Swanson for yeah. Channel 3 News, close personal friend of mine, which is actually <laughs> what he says. Yeah. He is overeager, but he is not off-putting. I will give no, him that. No, I don't think so. Yeah. He comes off as very excited and he he, he fanboys meeting, over yeah, her. Yeah, it's exactly that. But yes. it's not like creepy. Right. Colonel Gullet comes up and is immediately creepy. Yes. And then Colonel Gullet like shoes him away and then just gets other somebody else to carry her bag. So why can't Ernest do it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just to test to take that away from Ernest. Sure. Yeah. I guess the guest watch charm didn't work so well. Neither did the world charm. There are many ways to feed a camel master. Know what I mean? 
And then Ben Ali says an earnesty thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's actually kind of like a nice little know what I mean, where it's like, oh, they're buddies. Know what I mean? Yeah. Ernest does not. <laughs> I don't either. What do you uh, mean, feed a camel master? Um, it's just some sort of. I don't of, relate to that. It's some sort of. Your experiences uh, are not universal, Ben Ali. <laughs> it's some uh, Southern Karifistan color to uh, <laughs> to inform the, <laughs> the, the goings color. on. Ah, there yeah. you go. And then another callback to uh, Scared Stupid, we cut to a full moon. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. For a second, I only got like a scared, stupid flashback. Yeah. Because there is a full moon. And then like all the troops are sleeping. Well, this is where Colonel Gullet comes in with the affectations of some sort of like, again, a camp counselor. Oh, because he holds a flashlight like he, right under his face. He's like he's telling a, a ghost story. It's exactly that. And it's like, <laughs> guy, you're just, you're, you're there to give them like your new mission. You're not there to tell them about the hook hand that's caught on the Maggie car door. May. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> He's just like, he's as much of a jerk about it as he can possibly be. Like, he gleefully informs them that they'll be heading to the front lines probably to die. Well, it's still that same thing of like, oh, I'm making you real men. Like, he's like, you're all going to the front lines in like 1200 hours or something. And then he says, that's in three hours from now, which is not a correct sentence. (laughs) It's either that's in three hours or Or that's that's three three hours hours from from now. now. It is not in three hours Do it, Aaron. Take that guy to task. I do like that he finishes up with nighty night, sleep tight. Like, just like that. (laughs) That's how he says it. I almost fell off my chair at that impression. Nighty night, sleep tight. It's just like, well, you don't have to be a jerk about it. So these poor guys, Baby Cherry is like, I just thought we were support. I didn't think we'd actually see combat. That's why fantasy football exists. But then it turns out not only are all of the army officers asleep or trying to sleep in this tent, but Ben Ali is also there. Ben Ali is sleeping under Ernest's bed. Which is adorable. (laughs) He's like a puppy. (laughs) It's a lost puppy. So he's followed Ernest to the tent and is sleeping there. And and Ernest is like, oh my God, you're under my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. This is a scene that you don't expect. Did you hear me, Ben? You've got to go home. I have no home. This is my home now. Well, what about your family? My mother was killed by the Futis, god of the white you. And my father went to fight in the resistance. I never came home. I'm sorry, Ben. Ernest in the army. Oh my god. Ernest in the army? Yeah. Why? This like crushed me. This is the most paternal, right? Like the most explicitly hmm. paternal. Yeah. I mean, he's older. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I almost feel like maybe the ways in which he's sort of like slower in his agedness yeah. makes it feel more paternal where he's yeah. just like, it, it almost, it's got like that kind of... Uh, uh, what the hell is the show with uh, Ron Howard as the kid? The Andy Griffith and, show? Yeah, it's almost like it almost feels like the Andy Griffith kind of relationship. Oh yeah, where like I expect them to walk away with, with like the fishing. fishing rod. Yes, because like Ernest and Harmony, he does explicitly say that he's being like a father figure sort of to her. But but, but they're more like buddies. They're they're like a team. Yeah. Yeah, and Ernest and Ben are buddies too. Right. But Ernest also he goes so far as to call him son. Yeah. He says everything will be okay. Okay, and he gives him a, his extra pillow and a blanket. I wrote, aw, Ernest gives him a pillow and blanket. He's That's so right. nice. And then he says, I know what it's like to be alone. Good night, son. No! <laughs> Why? Why, Ernest in the army? Why are you doing this? Well, it doesn't stop there. <laughs> 
because the next scene is where they have to go out to the battle. Yeah. Ernest is in a truck with uh, Baby Cherry. Yeah. And Ben runs up alongside and is like, I'm going to go with you. Like, we're like good buddies forever. Best buddies stick together. You said stick by your buddy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Ernest is like, Ben, like, you can't come to like the front lines with us. He says this is no place for a boy. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben's like, I'm not a boy. I'm a brave warrior like Ernest. Right. Because when Ernest is just like, no, just no. Like, sorry, Ben, we have to go. He doesn't really argue. He's just like, you're not coming. And Ernest- <laughs> Which is very paternal. It's like, I'm not even explaining. Like, you're just not coming. Right. And this is where we find out that, like, we get, like, an insight into, like, Ben Ali's deep-rooted fears, like... Abandonment issues. Exactly. Like, he doesn't want Ernest to leave without him because he... His father he is did afra- that. He's afraid he will never come back. That's right. He literally says, as they drive away, he'll never come back. He'll never come back. Which is... <sighs> Gut-wrenching. <laughs> yes. Correct. There is some stuff going on. Oh, with Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Ben's a very precocious child, too. I mean, he's he's had some experiences that have forced him to grow a little faster, I think. Yes. He's lost a bit of his childhood. Yeah. And to that degree, I'm glad that Ernest can give it back to him. Yeah. To the extent that he does. So in terms of like the other characters, what's been going on on the side is oh boy. Colonel Gullet still a creep. Him and Cindy Swanson actually get captured oh, by, yeah. by Tafudi's men. They're tied up in a tent. After Colonel Gullet tries to um, yeah, force yeah. himself upon her <laughs> in yeah, a distasteful... Yeah, sexual assault. Yeah. Colonel Gullet, where are we? We're about three steps from heaven. Um, they both get kidnapped. So they're both tied up in a tent in yes. Tafudi's uh, compound. In that's Sector 32. Not unlike Agent 32. <laughs> that's right. And um, why Tafudi has captured them is because he wants a... He wants an American face, I think he says. Yeah. Like, so that to make a video? He wants to put, like, a face of, like, innocence to the conflict or something like that? I guess. Um, He's using them as hostages because he, he records a video of the two of them. Right. So Ernest, Corporal Davis, and, and some uh, other guy, third uh, the communications guy, the uh, AV Club yeah. Army guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're, they're hanging out in the communications truck. By the way, like Baby Cherry keeps making these creepy sex jokes because Ernest yeah. is there only to say like, "Hey, the colonel's been gone for a while," and Baby Cherry is like, "Oh, she's, that reporter's got him tied up," and like the other guy's like, "Yeah," like Ernest is the only one in the room that's not too gross to consider that something might have happened. Right, and then they immediately see Colonel Gullet and Cindy on the news. They're on channel INNI. With INNI, you are there in Operation Sandtrap. Is it supposed to be like I for an I? I don't. You might be reading too much. I definitely it. am, but that is the stated goal of this podcast <laughs> so, to a certain degree. So yeah, they. I see need a head cannon for the channel station I letters. And I. Anyway, and they see Colonel Gullet and Cindy in a hostage video. Right, and then Cindy very pointedly says she starts saying Channel Three, and then she's like, "Oh, from Channel Up Thirty Two Clues, <laughs> Clues to our heroes." Clues. Because hint, hint, she's trying to tell them that they're in Sector 32. Which Ernest figures <laughs> out, question mark? Is, again, the Ernest lateral thinking. It is. It's like He takes the this, winding road to yeah, get there. I think they wouldn't have gotten it without him. Sure, absolutely. He gets there, and then he goes beyond there. He's, and they're like, no, it's there. Channel 32. Maybe she meant Sector 32. No. No, she said Channel 32. Therefore, 
The code word is channel. I was surprised with how quickly he like got it, but then he keeps going. Yeah, I'm like, that's oh, the Ernest, problem. He thought Ernest. too much. Yes, so he's, as ever. But I think the AV guy gets it. Right. So yeah, Sector 32 and then Agent 32 in the previous movie. Someone on our Facebook page, uh, Jeremy Lockhart. Yes. He posted uh, this theory that 32 is 3 plus 2 equals 5, which The e, fifth letter of the, the alphabet, alphabet is, is e. e. Okay. So, <laughs> e for Ernest. E for Ernest. Ernest goes e, to podcast. Agent E. Yeah. And maybe that's what it is. It was foreshadowing. 32. It was destiny. It's another magic number in the Ernest universe, besides yeah. seven, which is also God's number. <laughs> oh, dear. So Ernest wants to go to Sector 32 to rescue them. Corporal Davis is like, no, that's not our problem. He says, I'm sorry about the girl. I'm sorry about the girl, but she's the media and not our responsibility. Yeah, I wrote He's down. like 17 years old. I wrote down, quote, <laughs> the girl. I did. What does this say? I feel like we are, you know, as... As often as we are on the same wavelength, I feel like we are frequently on the same wavelength when it comes to uh, gender representation <laughs> or lack thereof. The girl. I'm sorry about the girl, but she's the press. She's Whatever. a 30-year-old woman. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Best. Yeah. She's older than him. Yeah. For sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so. It's reductive, but it's also like such a stock. Yeah, just call These her the girl. These types of movies. Oh, yeah. what, what about the girl? Don't worry about the girl. <laughs> She's the press. Any one of us can whoop the girl. The girl. Oh, yeah, man. yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't want to go rescue them uh, because he has no honor, like the intrepid Ernest P. Worrell. And that's why he'll never be a beloved American icon. Sorry, this all sounds like inference and speculation, but <laughs> to me, that shows he has no honor. <laughs> okay. A real soldier wouldn't leave them behind. No, I and ironically, neither, neither will Ernest. I. Yeah, <laughs> I like that Ernest says, "I know it's high treason and probably very that's, rude." That's a great bit. Yep. <laughs> Not only is he worried about like committing an affront to the United States of America, but also just being kind of rude. Yeah, he doesn't want to be like mean about it. <laughs> Impolite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Ernest, so sweet. So Ernest and takes, he trots away. Yeah, Ernest takes off himself. He wanders through the desert, C three PO style. What a desolate place this is. Yeah. This is where Ernest starts walking across the desert with a canteen full of chocolate milk. Oof. He pours it out into the sand and it's like goo. Why isn't it water? <laughs> Ernest. It should have been fool. water because it's Ernest. I he know. had to put purity chocolate milk yep. in there. He says like the desert sun has a diverse effect on chocolate milk. He means adverse. Adverse. And then we see Colonel Gullet and it turns out that he's actually made some kind of deal with Tofuti. Yeah. Tofuti wanted like a member Ameri- of the press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A pretty American face right. like, for his uh, invasion. So Colonel Gullet delivers her and then's like, where's my money or where's my payment or something like that? And Tafuti's just like, nope, and double crosses him. <laughs> and then he ties him to the Pluton missile. Yeah. I wrote, ha ha. <laughs> like, Colonel Gullet got tied to the missile, which I have to say is another Ernest Rides Again parallel. Oh, yeah. Because there's a man Absolutely. tied to a gigantic cannon-shaped weapon. I wrote, I wrote that exact thing. And he rides this for a long scene. It also made me think of the 1990 Captain America movie. Oh, really? Where uh, Captain America gets strapped to a rocket by the Red Skull. <laughs> uh, good old Colonel Gullet. I'm very glad. This great treatment for him. You might even say, ha ha. Ha ha. <laughs> and all the guys that aren't Ernest from the 97th unit, they go back to their camp and Ben Ali's like, where's Ernest? I'm shocked. Everyone returned, except, of course, for Ernest, the only man with enough honor to try to rescue the people in trouble. But sadly, this means Ben Ali totally called it. Oh, Which is sad. 
Well, at least Ben Ali has honorable men in his life. And, you know, Ben Ali himself has kind of got some honor to him. Because oh, heck yeah. I, I just have a note that's like, Ben Ali is really good. Baby Cherry walks off and Ben Ali's plan is formed. You can see the kid, like, the, look, the resolve yep, forming on his yep, face. It's great. He's amazing. He's really good. <laughs> we like him a lot. And Ernest is still walking across the desert. At this point, the thing that Ernest said would happen early on in the movie, he said his lips would peel <laughs> if he went to Karifistan. Yeah. Which is what starts happening now. Now, this is not how lips work, right? No. Okay. <laughs> absolutely not. Because I don't know. I don't like sunburn easily. No. I didn't know if this was a thing that could happen. No, your your lips like crack and then peel. Right, mine crack. Yeah. But they don't, it's not like you, a snake shedding its skin it's like what happens with absolutely Ernest. Absolutely not he that. He peels off like an entire layer of lip. It's almost like a fake like naked gun sort of gag where it's like, ha I had fake lips on the yeah. whole time or something. <laughs> it's like poison ivy. Whose blood was replaced with aloe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they fill my blood with aloe. <laughs> So so it's very disturbing. And then Baby Cherry tattles to Barnes that Ernest went to Sector 32. Right. There's like this some striking silhouettes like behind a curtain. I mean, it's this it's, happens a couple times. Like it's a, a nice silhouette shot. Behind a curtain. I don't know what we're supposed to take from it from a like a narrative standpoint. Oh, because Ben Ali is eavesdropping. That's oh, how he knows where yes. Ernest is. Correct. Correct. Thank you. Meanwhile, Ernest is making sand angels. I wrote Ernest makes sand angels because Ernest. <laughs> Correct. Like, there is actually a hilarious, like, Ernest is trying to navigate his way, like, down this gigantic sand dune. So he's like, okay, if I just do this, but then he just, like, does a tumble. He, he does the as you wish tumble. tumble. Yeah. And he ends up, like, head first in the sand, which I laughed at. <laughs> then he, like, flips over and he starts making sand angels and he has the happiest look on his face. He, it's a look of pure joy. And I was like, oh. Does he pass out in between, though? I think so. There's, like, a dissolve that some yeah. time has passed. And I think he wakes up. And then and starts immediately making sand starts angels. making sand He's angels. He's delighted. Yeah, he does the <laughs> like he invented something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the did it. Yep, he did do it. <laughs> <laughs> he often does do it. And he finds the Tafudi's camp pretty quick. There it's is surrounded by barbed wire. Uh, poisoned barbed wire. Yeah, there's a sign that says "poison tipped barbed wire." Yeah. Right, and Urs is like, "Please, <laughs> poison barbed wire. A feeble attempt to frighten lesser minds." He's semi-correct because poison and barbed wire are not the only two sources of deadly contact <laughs> with this fence. Poison isn't the only thing you could do to a fence. What, what else What else do you think would be effective against an earnest? I don't know. Some kind of a... Uh, uh, hmm. It's, it's got to uh, be something. Some kind of element? Uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm not uh, sure. Power? Yeah, it's like... It's, um, Electricity? Um, maybe. Maybe that could be it. <laughs> Cartoon electricity? That's Even the one. Better. Yes, okay. there we go. I was uh, so happy. It goes on for a really long time. It also makes somehow an earnest-shaped hole in the fence. It does. This is my note verbatim. Ernest's electrocution makes one of those Japanese game show shapes out of the fence. <laughs> What's great is that he falls down after being electrocuted and he goes... At least I didn't get poisoned. It's a fair cop, man. And I wrote, I love you, Ernest, and always will. (laughs) (laughs) Ernest, I love you. I just imagine you saying that out loud to the TV. I think I probably did. That doesn't surprise me. And then he hilariously sneaks into Tafudi's camp. Like, this, this just shouldn't be funny, but is. Well, as he tells us, he is poultry Poultry in in motion. motion. 
Good night, everybody. This is like one of my big laughs in the movie because he he sort of skips over in the weirdest skip run. Yeah. And then he immediately hits his head on something. <laughs> and this is where like he makes the craziest face with his, his lips start like twisting. And then he says, And I laughed really hard (laughs) at the return of the phrase army people in that specific context. Like, his brain stopped working, but that phrase stuck. It was like the the max headroom of Ernest here. (laughs) It was the last thing in his brain before he... was severely injured. Like, he, he has nothing else left in there except right. for the phrase army people because of the amount he's heard it. Yes. And that was lovely to me. And then Ernest rescues Cindy Swanson. Yeah, I really like this bit because he, he, he pokes his head through the <laughs> flaps of the tent. Yeah, he opens the flaps. He sticks his head in. He's like, hang on a minute or yeah, something. He, he says, like, hang on a sec. And then he starts cutting a hole in the tent yeah. right next to the, where the flap is. So she has to like wait there yeah, it's and very, just watch yeah. this happen. Yep. And then when he comes through the hole, he says, ta-da! <laughs> he gets a bad magic trick again. Bad magic. Ernest Universe loves it. Who's the saving me poorly? Oh, it's the cook. Well, despite his status as the cook and uh, Cindy's Let's say concern. Skepticism. Yeah. Yep. Concern. Uh, Ernest, disappointment. Ernest does like save her somewhat handedly. Like he's not doing bad. No, no, no. Well, she's tied up to this pole, right? Yes. It's, so, it's the main post that's holding the tent up. Yeah. The tent pole. And he's just like, okay, I'll just lift up the pole and you slide, you the, slide your, the ropes. The rope down. Yeah. Obvious. Yes. Seems like a solid plan. Okay. So they do this. She slips out. But then when he drops the pole, it lands on his foot. And so now he's like, okay, I I need help. I need help getting my foot out from (laughs) under this pole. Now I need to be rescued. Okay, but now the solution to this problem is the thing that they just did. Right. But they don't do that. Right. She grabs him like around the neck. She starts pulling his head. Yeah, it's like a trope of live action cartoons. Like I'll pull on this part of this person to help them get that other part of them out. <laughs> Eventually, like, the tent pole just, like, falls over. The tent so the, collapses. The tent collapses. Yeah. So then there's this whole scene where Ernest and Cindy are underneath the collapsed tent, just, like, crawling around. Yep. And people, there are people outside. Hit, like, like, with shovels. Trying to hit them in the head. Yeah. And then there's other people crawling under the tent. This is, there's some weird... <laughs> There's some weird stuff in here. There's a joke they do a few times where it's like a joke about Ernest being cowardly. But oh, it doesn't yeah. really make sense because he's not a coward. Well, it's that same thing again of like the army is going to make a man out of you. As they're crawling, Ernest asks Cindy. Um, Doesn't this hurt your knees? No, stop being such a sissy. Let's go. I wrote no Ernest because she's not 50 years old. Well, like this, this is another thing where it's like that. you're too old for this yeah. woman. You're too like, old. No Ernest. She yeah. doesn't hurt her knees. There's this other thing where they're, they're crawling and then they keep getting hit on the head. So Ernest is like, okay, we just have to brave it. We just have to like muscle through. Yeah. Keep your head up. And she's like, okay. And then he immediately puts his head down. Like he's going to use her head being up as cover for his head being down. Yeah. They do that joke a few times in this scene. But it's like, he just walked across the desert to rescue her. Like, why would he then immediately, like, sacrifice her? That's a fair question. I feel like that's a thing that happens in later era Ernest films that always, like, causes me to raise an eyebrow. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, oh, it doesn't feel like the Ernest I know. It's like to make a joke, but at the expense of, like, character consistency. 
So they, so they get out from under the tent. Yeah, Tafudi's men are sort of like get tricked into chasing themselves, essentially, where like they're following like the Bugs Bunny lump under <laughs> yeah. this tent. Because some of the Tafudi guys are under there. Right. And, and they that, come out and start fighting. Yeah. Like, you hit me with the shovel. Correct. So there's like chaos. People Bedlam. are fighting. There's these like oil drums that are on fire also. It kind of feels like a street fighter like background. <laughs> yeah. And then Ernest and Cindy, they're like running through the camp and they run past this like little area where those resistance fighters are being held the ones oh, that got yeah. kidnapped in the beginning yep with our narrator in there like at the front ben of the Ali's door dad yep and he's like hey hey get us out of here so Ernst is like okay I'll have you out of there in a jiffy he opens the door and like he gets hit in the face with the door so hard multiple times it looks really painful yeah but this is one of those things where Ernest this Ernest is a little slower the last two movies like Maybe it's an animation thing that, like, I'm noticing that he's tired because of the drag. Like, it's the amount of drag oh, that's on his limbs. Like, like there's, like, more effort being put in. Like, Yeah. It, labored, it takes him longer motion. to recover from big moves, mm. which is how I can tell that he's tired. But, like, right. I maybe that's something that we just pick up as animators because that's how I would make an a uh, character look, look tired. tired. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? So maybe that's just like why I notice it. But like it, I felt those hits. He's like, <laughs> ow. And can we just say, Ernest saves these people. Yes. He sets the resistance fighters free. Well done, sir. You have saved us. You must be the great American warrior of the prophecy. Oh, shucks. There was nothing. You must have me confused with some other great American warrior of prophecy. <laughs> I kind of want to make a cut of the G.I. Joe intro theme song with footage from this movie <laughs> with just like shots of Ernest like doing the high step run yeah. while the music is just playing underneath. He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. And then, oh, more guards come running. Sure. So why all not? the resistance fighters like scatter. They start uh, sort of engaging the enemy. Oh, now it's too. like Street Fighter. Yeah. Because now all the resistance fighters are fighting Tafuti's men. There's Can like... we play Guile's theme under this? <laughs> part of the conversation it goes uh, with everything yeah sure i mean i love it there's this, like one guy just like launches himself at this other guy like <laughs> lands on him and punches him in the face yeah it's great and then i love that one guy just like runs by one of the oil drums and like knocks it over like yeah there you go like knocked over <laughs> oh your yeah and flaming that's, oil drum. that's when i said oh here i'll pour the fire out that will stop them <laughs> it just looked like petty like and this yeah and uh, this is kind of another weird coward moment like that the thing is that Ernest is brave, and then there's pockets of seconds. Where it's, like, contradictory? Yeah. Like, well, they start shooting. Two of these men are shooting at them. Shooting real bullets. Real bullets. Yeah. There's another Rides Again. Yep. They said that in Ernest Rides Again. Yeah, really, really real. In Rides Again, it was the Mighty Work Boys. Yes. They're shooting real bullets! Real bullets! I'll go first. Cover me. Warhol! Wait! Ernest is like real bullets and then like tries to run ahead of her, like outrun her. Yeah. But again, so, so there's it a couple doesn't make sense. There's a couple of things. First, the idea that if you're a brave person, you need to be brave in every single situation all the time. I think that's faulty. At the same time, that's not quite what's happening here. It's not even just like the brave like if he hid behind something, I would understand that. That's not the joke. The joke is, hey, I'll put you in harm's way ahead yes. of me. Yeah. Like it's specifically about endangering Cindy. It's, yeah. Then they have to go back through the hole that he made in the fence, the earnest shaped hole. And again, <laughs> he's like, You go first. Yeah. Like he wants Cindy to get hurt. Why would he want that? That, that there's no logic there. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. But then like as soon as they get away from the, the action, he gets brave again because then he sees that Colonel Gullet is strapped to the 
<laughs> to the Pluton missile. Right. Oh, look, they've got Colonel Gullet. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we have to go back yeah. to rescue this man I, I think who's what we been could... mean to me. What, what does he say? Like, I don't he think says, he likes Colonel me. He says, Colonel Gullet is my buddy, even though he's a colonel. Oh, that's, yes. <laughs> it's weird to be friends with the colonels. Colonel. Yeah. But then they get captured while they're having this conversation. <laughs> colonels, am I right? So they get recaptured yes. by Tifuri's men. Meanwhile, uh... Ben Ali is tracking this group through the desert, right? Yeah, he finds Ernest's lips <laughs> in the <laughs> sand. You know, <laughs> I, I said this when we were watching it. I give yeah. a lot of credit to both the character and the actor for finding this, like, <laughs> dried piece of disgusting nonsense in, in the, the sand? sands of Africa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well done, Ben Ali. I like how he picks it up like he's Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. And he's like, he peels easy. Aha, another clue. <laughs> Oh, so gross. Definitely not if how lips work. that's how your lips work, let us know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Ernest and Cindy are now like um, before a firing squad. Yes. Uh, President Tafuti's for life. President for life, Omar Tafuti. Omar Habib Tafuti. Omar Habib Tafuti, president for life, has Ernest and Cindy before a firing squad. Yes. Ben is sneaking into the camp. He's caught up with them. Ben Ali. Yeah. yeah, this is a very cartoon scene where, like, Ernest starts talking to Stahl. Yeah. That's his M.O. He wants, like, a last meal. Um, a phone call. He asks for a phone call. They say no. Right. He also tells Cindy, like, while they're waiting, he says, they say, like, every man has a bullet with his name on it. And then he oh, says, like this, this is mine. And, yeah. like, he takes out a bullet that has his name on it. He's like, see, Ernest. As long as I've got this, they, they can't, can't shoot, shoot me, me. with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is some kind of backwards genius. There is a logic to it, however faulty. <laughs> um, but he's also, he's asking Tafuti for a pizza, I believe. I wrote down his pizza <laughs> order. We can all chip in together. Oh, go ahead then, yeah. Yeah, so he requests, he wants a pizza with pepperoni, sausage, extra cheese, black olives, no anchovies in a world where anchovies is default pizza topping. I feel like that's every movie world. Yeah. Someone is just like, oh, you have to specifically say... <laughs> Not, Otherwise, we're just gonna always throw, put anchovies them right on, on pizza, there. Yeah. and maybe chocolate chips. Ernest, <laughs> part-time Ninja Turtle. I just like this moment because Davuti, like, he rips off his headdress. I think a kefuya is that what I call it? A kefuya? Yeah, yeah some, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, he listeners, rips, how do you pronounce the headdress from the Middle Eastern characters? He rips that off his head and he goes, nah, pizza." Yeah. And, I, <laughs> no pizza. I really want someone to write out phonetically the sound that Tafuti makes. <laughs> I tried to do it. It's like e e e u u u f f h h h h h. No pizza. What I like about this is that Ernest is like he also asked for a blindfold, which they also declined. So he's like right. upset now. He's saying, "So I don't get a, no last meal, no phone call, no blindfold." And then Tafuti says, "No budget, right?" <laughs> Where, and Ernest goes, that? "Oh." Like he, like, he gets that. I also like a thing that he says, which is, what kind of a Jake Leg outfit is this? Yeah. I'm really fascinated by the- Jake Leg. The history of that idiot. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I bet none of you have ever even shot anybody. <gasps> Kibi shot a man in the foot last year. It was an accident, Mr. President, for life. I have such feelings of guilt. His delivery is it's terrific. Perfect. That's maybe the best line from that I think character. That might be, it's the second best Kibby moment. Oh yeah. The the best one is to come. Ah. 
Oh, that was great. I love Kivy. They're about to be fired upon uh, yeah. when uh, Ben Ali drives in in a giant truck that he has commandeered. He uses the Geshwa charm. Oh, yeah. He's driving through all these guys with guns. He's like, here I come, Ernest, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ernest and Cindy, like, run into the truck. Yep. Ernest gets in, like, the driver's seat, and he says, this is a job for army people. Oh, and we should also say that <laughs> this is the truck that has the missile oh, yeah. <laughs> with... Colonel Gullet tied to the back. Right, so the Blue Dawn missile. Or alternatively, sometimes a dummy that looks like Colonel Gullet. I do like the visual just of this guy, like, bouncing <laughs> on this. He, he is uh, no longer in control of his own destiny. <laughs> no. I have a question. I wrote this down as I write down many things without any context. Sure. Does Ernest say, I used to be a mailman Wh- in Michigan? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, what? Wait. Yes, this is the scene. Cindy says something like, oh, we can't drive this way or we can't do this. And Ernest is driving along on the sand like, don't worry, I used to be a mailman in Michigan. I don't understand what that means. I don't know how that applies to the situation. Correct. What I thought was like, this is most likely is another Ernest's life that he's remembering. Sure. I don't think this Ernest was ever a mailman in Michigan, but I think another Ernest in a movie we didn't see was, and he is telepathic connected to that <laughs> Ernest and is remembering his life. In a sense, he has been a mailman from Michigan. To... <laughs> what sense is that exactly? In the sense that another Ernest has been. Okay, sure, I'll buy that. <laughs> and then he has, and he gets feelings of that. <laughs> okay. He has little flashes. <laughs> of I feel like he can't separate the memories from other Ernest from his own memories. Right. So That was a very long answer that basically <laughs> told me nothing about that line. <laughs> I don't know. Is it like driving on dangerous? Sand? Like the is Michigan sandy? Death? I don't. I don't know anything no about clue. Michigan listeners. Or once mailman. again, and then Cindy starts. Sh- I would say, yeah, go go ahead. <laughs> and then Cindy, she takes a machine gun, and Ernest is like, "Well, you're supposed to be non-combative." Yeah, because you're the press. Yeah, and she says, "President for life." Tafuti broke, broke the, the rules, rules first. first. And she sticks this machine gun out of the window. Ben gives her a clip. Yep. She sticks the machine out of the window and she starts shooting. She's a very good shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, well, yeah, they're now being chased by a lot of men in tanks. So Cindy's shooting at them. And this, to me, felt like a Doctor Who moment. Okay. We need a character to be badass and shoot a gun, but it can't be Ernest. Right. The same thing happens in Doctor Who. Like, you can't. Doctor Who can never use a gun, right. but we can have another character with him use a gun. It's like um, badass by proxy. Yeah. Gotcha. like, And I appreciate that you will never see Ernest with a gun. Oh, sure. And as much as there are inconsistencies with how his character is written from scene to scene in terms of bravery, like he is still earnesty in this way. He is consistently nonviolent. Correct. Uh, and one guy, as he's being shot at, are you going to say the thing? Tank. And he's got, there's a cat sound. Yes. Okay. What? Wait, <laughs> I wrote, I wrote down. Does that guy make a cat sound yes. as he leaps from the vehicle? He goes, Rawr! I have something to say about that. Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, <laughs> because cats jump off with that set. I don't, I think, oh, yeah. it was just the, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, no, it's it's very... In any other movie, it would have been the Wilhelm scream. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's a cat. It's uh, my cat named Wilhelm. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just say, um, I really like this part a lot. Uh, again, talking about the consistency of Ernest the character. Oh, yeah. Because as ever, and thankfully also in the last Ernest movie, Ernest saves the day by being Ernest. Yeah. 
Like he takes the thing that he was doing in his normal humdrum, mundane, regular schmo life, yeah, and applies it to this like wacky life or death situation, and it works more so than in the previous movie. Absolutely, yes. In this movie, the thing that was a setup pays off. Correct. It's Chekhov's uh, golf ball scoop. <laughs> yeah, they come to a part of the desert that is filled with those rock mines. Right. Another thing that was set up. Oh wow, it's like double the setup. Yeah, man. And they're like, oh no, rock mines. Like, we can't drive through here. Uh, so then Ernest, yeah, he makes a net, like a golf ball, yeah. scooby thing. Yep. He gets on the back of the truck. So Cindy's driving, and now Ernest is scooping up rock mines and then, like, flipping them. It's also pancake flipping. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a capable flipper. Yeah. If, even if the pancakes If in I this could movie make a dolphin great. sound, I would make it right now. Yeah. <laughs> He's flipping pan- he's, he's flipping golf. <laughs> he's, he's flipping, flipping rock, rock mines. mines. And they're hitting the guys that are chasing them. Luckily, they only produce tiny explosions that don't actually hurt anyone. Yeah, it's very much like, it's almost like the Ninja Vanish sort of like smoke plume. Like, they go, <laughs> yeah. And the guys just kind of jump off the tanks like, eh, and run away. Meow. And, and Cindy's just like, he's amazing. Well, she says he's unbelievable. Yeah. To which Ben Ali replies, I believed in him all along. <laughs> of course he did. Because they're heart good of buddies. <laughs> the heart of a child. A child's heart. <laughs> Assorted flavors. Here you go. Nice one, Ernest. You fool. I literally wrote it my next note after that. Yeah. Pancakes on parade. <laughs> it's pancakes on parade. Yeah. But then it all comes to a stop because uh, what happens? Like... Oh, they get stuck in a sand trap. Oh, yes. Operation no! Sand Trap comes full circle. <laughs> it was foreshadowed. What is, it was prophesized, Aaron. Yeah. Ernest, mm-hmm. he gets out of the truck and kind of faces off against Tofuti. I guess is the only guy left in the tank. Right. Tofuti and Kivi. Yep. Ernest picks up one of the rock supposed rock mines, throws it at... It's a pretty good throw. He throws it at them. No, it hits them, but it turns out to be just a rock. Right. Though. <laughs> and the best part uh. is that Tafuti does this little dance. Like, it's like an end zone dance where he goes, <laughs> ah, and he like spins around in the truck. That's true. Which he shouldn't have done because while he does that, Ernest takes out oh, another thing that was set up, the pancake in his back oh, pocket. Oh, that's right. Wow. <laughs> Well done, movie. So much, so many payoffs. Yeah. So this is the pancake from earlier that Ernest bit the The chunk chunk out of. The chump? There's a big bite mark out of it. Yeah. And uh, it had the the tank patch uh, powder sort of mixed in. So it is, for all intents and purposes, a lethal weapon. It's almost a little bit of a parallel with Ernest Goes to Camp 2. Because the climax is like there's a guy pointing a gun at Ernest. Like, I'm going to kill you now. Right. Tafuti's like pointing a gun directly at Ernest. Ernest takes out this tank patch pancake. Does his best discus throw. Yeah. And it hits President Tafuti President for for life. life. In the head, yep. and he sustains a very serious head injury. He, like, collapses into the truck that he was sitting in, and then Kivy's best moment. Can I say it? Yeah. <laughs> he says, Excellency, you are damaged for life. <laughs> and then he laughs at his own joke. Like, that was hilarious. He did the master splinter. <laughs> And he just laughs and drives off with like a like a vegetable tofuti. It's a little disturbing. <laughs> I was gonna make that for uh, Thanksgiving this year. I was gonna bring <laughs> my, my vegetable tofuti <laughs> recipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It goes good with hummus. <laughs> Didn't you make this last year? I thought we, we ate, ate it all. all. I love you, Mrs. Simon Simmons. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and oh, we're not done yet. We're not done. And then Colonel oh. Gullet is oh, still yes. strapped to the the Pluton missile. That's right. Yes. So he's flying around like, get me off of this thing. So Ben, Ali, and Ernest untie him. This right. made me mad because like Ernest unties him. He's like, I'll have you off there soon, Colonel. And you you don't really see Ernest's face because you see he has his back to the camera and right. and he goes, there you go. And I can hear the smile. Like, I can't see the smile, but I know he's smiling because <laughs> of the way he said, there you go. And Colonel Gullet just decks him. And he, like, oh, yeah. spins around and collapses. Yeah, I like, thought that was, like... It's sudden, but it made me mad because Ernest had, like, just rescued him and was yeah. smiling. I could hear him smiling, and then he just got decked. I mean... And I was like, <gasps> I gasped, like, out loud, like, no, you didn't punch smiling Ernest. Yeah, it was... He did it. How dare you? Yeah. Turns out, Colonel Gullet has been working for Dr. Claw because he, like, <laughs> takes out a giant... 90s cell phone and starts talking to Dr. Claw. (laughs) He tries to get in touch with Zach Morris and doesn't it doesn't work so he instead calls the evil Dr. Claw at FIT. So I guess he's gonna deliver the Pluton missile. Fashion Institute of Technology. He's like yeah put the money in my bank account and like he says the bank account number. Yeah he does take about like I don't know 20 seconds to just like (laughs) read out all the digits of his bank account number. I like how after he finishes the phone call he goes ha and he just like throws the phone away like I won't be needing this anymore. Bank account number six three nine seven three six four one two dash one two. Codename Interceptor. Confirm bank deposits. Done. I thought he's like done. Ah. Like it's it's his did it moment. <laughs> He did do it. He did do it. <laughs> I mean, I like that he's so forward thinking that he was like, you know what? I'm gonna wait until the very last second to actually give them my bank account information. Yeah. I'm not gonna fax it to them beforehand. No. You know, set up like an invoicing I mean, system. That's what it's like when you're dealing with the double agent. Well done. That. <laughs> So, so Colonel Gullet is, uh, I think he's got a knife to Ben Ali, right? He does, yeah. He's, he's got it, he's got it up to his throat. It's a little bit like, yeah, it's pretty disconcerting. High yeah. Stakes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ernest, like, intentionally gets him monologuing. He's oh, like, yeah. what do you, what do you want with a missile anyway? Uh, just like, like the Incredibles. <laughs> Because Ben's like counting with his fingers. He's oh like, yeah, he's like d- counting with his fingers. Like I'm gonna do something, and like on the count of three. Yeah, he counts one he's finger, a crafty two kid. Oh yeah, and they're on the same wavelength, you know. Yep. Ernest and Team his Ernest. good buddy. So Ernest is stalling. What do you want with a pluton missile? Soon I'll be in a world where idiots like you are outlawed, living the good life. Like, how are you gonna nope. outlaw people like Ernest? You gonna ban denim? <laughs> like what are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> you just outlaw Ernest. Or is he just going like, to nuke the world and then like, well, I'll start my own martial law of yeah. the post-apocalypse? But if any babies say know what I mean, they're yeah. not going to outlaw know what I mean. Put on some Hank Jr. <laughs> so on the count of three, uh, Oben bites yep. Colonel Gullet's hand. Really hard, too. Yeah. That kid's got some teeth on him. Yeah, man. A set, set of teeth. And... Uh, Ernest grabs his net. The golf ball catcher. Is this on purpose? He grabs this thing and he hits Cindy really hard in the leg. And she goes, ah, Ernest. And she presses like the launch button on the missile. It's like. Is it intent? Is that his plan was to hit her so that she would hit the button? Or was he just aiming for the button and missed? I think this is another situation (laughs) of sacrificing the female character for comedy oh, man. and making uh, you know Ernest, Ernest look bad in, in, cool. in, the, in the process. <laughs> oh, yeah, we should we should take a second and stop. So in terms of uh, the Ernest in this movie, uh, what are we thinking? Marriage, dating, no, no. general hangout? Sorry. If he hadn't have sacrificed Cindy, like... Multiple times? Yeah, yeah. then I might say, uh, if only I were 20 years older. Like, 
But sure. because of the those things, right? I'm gonna pass. <laughs> so uh, callous disregard for the uh, love interest. Yeah. So that's a deal breaker. Yeah. For you. Oh, interesting. All right. I guess, I guess I could see it. You know, everybody's got their things. But, I don't uh, want to be used as a as a, shi- a, human, a human shield, shield. a la Total Recall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, to answer your question, I think what I take away from uh, this scene. And this may be because I always believe the best of Ernest, no matter what Ernest it is. Mm. I think he intended to take the golf thing and hit the button because it, because that gives <laughs> yeah. that gives him more reach, right? Right. Yeah. But instead, he didn't think about the fact that Cindy was between <laughs> him and the button. But fortunately, because he has impossible luck, it still worked. Because yeah, she he goes, just, oh, Ernest! Yeah. Like, she's pissed off. Yeah. But she still hits the button. Oh, correctly. And you kind of hear him go, sorry. Like, yeah. <laughs> somewhere in there. Oh, Ernest! Oh. The ropes, Ernest! The ropes! This launches the missile, but it doesn't seem to be particularly dangerous. No, it, it's fairly dud-esque. It shoots up the hillside. Well, it takes Colonel Gullet with him because I think there's still ropes around yes. it and it kind of loops around Colonel Gullet. Yeah. So it takes Colonel Gullet and flies him into a sand dune yep. where it's like, like his legs are sticking out. It's a very yeah. cartoony. He's like, ah, I just got hit with a nuclear warhead. That was a pretty good gag too. Yeah. So it is kind of a dud. I think the conventional explosive went off, but, but the, not the, the nuclear not the, warheads the deadly, didn't. Yeah. Somehow it got neutralized. Yeah. And then the rest of the 97th unit shows up. Now that the problem has been taken care of. That's when the, the cavalry arrives. Yeah. Well, the general arrives and starts like yelling at Ernest for some reason. And Cindy's like, you should pin a medal on him. Like, cause like, the missile's been neutralized. And the general, because he's on camera, is like, oh, I, I am going to pin a medal on him. I'm going to well, pin, pin all the medals. And then Barnes is like, be careful what you promise. And he gets fired. Yeah. I'm not sure why. But I feel like this is a bad move for the general because he will not know what to do with himself now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. nothing against Barnes, really. No, no, I don't think he's set up as enough of a conniver yeah. to uh, deserve this. Um, <laughs> anyway. And then who, what happens? Who else shows up, Aaron? A few oh, other people. Geez. No, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> everyone shows up. <laughs> That's what up. I was getting at. So... <laughs> you know who shows up? My favorite. Fred Williams, INNI, European Division reporter. I had to go back and be like, is that INNI's Fred Williams? (laughs) Like, in the flesh? I've never seen him outside of that studio. That's right. I've never seen him without the Operation Sandtrap graphic. (laughs) So it was hard to recognize him. That's true. But he goes up to Cindy and he's like, what can we do to get an exclusive? Like, I heard you have all the details. And she's like, how long have you been at your job? Ah, yeah. she's a go-getter, ain't she? Also, uh, Fred, who did you hear that from? Maybe the hostage video. <laughs> it's like a, you know, you know, I read the script. You know who we, you know who we heard it from? Thompson. I understand that you're connected <laughs> to the eyes of a goalie. Oh, do do you understand that? How? Uh, let's see. Besides oh. Baby Cherry and the rest of the ninety seventh, American Ben shows up. Yeah. Why? Why is he here? Um, Why did they fly him to Kyrgyzstan? Because he had to check on his good buddy, Aaron. He's like, he like walks forward with his arms open like Santa Claus. Like, <laughs> I'm here. But it's more like, I'm alive. It's like an I'm alive presentation. It's exactly that. And Ernest was like, Ben, I thought you, you he almost says, I thought you were dead, but he doesn't get that far. Right. Because we all thought Ben was dead. Ben, you're, you're not. I'm fine. I'm fine. I just got to lay off the pork cracks. 
understandable. And the baffo choco and Oof. the the hot sauce. Stop putting garbage into your body. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, oh, and he says, "Now, Ernest, you're army people. Yeah, we got Ben's approval. You know, even though he joins the army at the beginning of the film, this is where his actual like ascension to hero status yeah. happens. So that's consistent, and I appreciate it. So he's like, yeah, army people. They walk off arm in arm because they're best buddies. Yep. Oh, and Ben Ali's father. Yeah, they're reunited. He runs and it up, feels he's like, so my good. Son. Yep. Yeah, they run up and they hug like that. I thought you were dead hug. There's another I thought you were dead hug. Pretty much, yeah. It's adorable. And like they're hugging. His father's like, I thought I'd lost you forever. And then like Ernest just like sticks his head in yeah, the Yeah, he, he just sort of like, goes like, yeah? <laughs> well, hey. <laughs> he goes, well, yeah. I guess the guest rod charm really does work. And Ben says, the good luck is that you are the great American warrior. This is actually a really sweet shot because it's like Ben, he's between his father and, and his surrogate, surrogate father, father. Yeah, in you're right. Frame. That's pretty nice. He's like yeah. surrounded by both of them. It's really sweet. He went from having no fathers to having two. It's a nice image. Yeah, absolutely. But then, uh, so Cindy Swanson also sticks her head into the oh, scene. Oh, man. In, in... She's like, hang on a minute, Ben. Yeah. I need some Ernest, too. I, yeah, I need to borrow oh the, uh, the Great American Warrior. You can't keep the Great warrior. American Warrior all to yourself. Right. Oh, boy. So, oh, man. do you want to talk about this scene, or should I? Or not this I scene, but- I have things but, to say. But this, so go, go ahead, explain what happens in this part of the scene. Well, uh- <laughs> If you can. Well, the short version is that Cindy kisses Ernest, and that this results in one of the most- horrifying scenes that has ever followed a movie kiss. Agreed. Erin is rendered speechless. Uh, you I'll, know, I'll explain the, the what thing happened. is, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, <laughs> that's say, I've been waiting for a scene like I, this. That's, this is why I wanted to. And that's you to, why yeah. it's cruel. Yeah. Okay? This is not fair to me or Ernest. I, yeah. So what happens is Cindy grabs Ernest and is like, sorry, I need to borrow the great American warrior. Yeah. Uh, she kisses him on the lips. And he, but can I say, he like freezes, like he has zero reaction. Well, I he think, goes stone. I think he's like stunned, kind yeah. of, like that's what we're supposed to take away from it. He doesn't move a millimeter. His like body shuts down in that way that he, that totally he, that he shuts has. Down. It's, he's done it like a couple of times earlier in the film where he's just sort of like, <laughs> he, his, you, you guys can't see the face <laughs> I'm making, but uh, maybe Aaron can describe it. His eyes just like are he's suddenly like, he's blank. Like dumbfounded a little bit. I think his brain just shut down. Yeah. There's no activity whatsoever. It's the weirdest thing. But so she. He reacts after she pulls away. And she has a reaction because. I like his reaction. He's like, I just got kissed. <laughs> like, it's like a. Uh, like, it's, it's, it's exactly great. that. I was like happy for him in that moment because somebody finally kissed him. Right. But then. So Cindy pulls away, puts her hand to her lips, no, and no, peels no, Ernest's lip peeling. No off of her own lips and reacts as any sane person would with tremendous disgust. She goes, ew, what's this? Ew. What is this? Oh, sorry. <laughs> My lips peel easily. <laughs> this is, again, um, another payoff that no one asked for. And can I also say... That's not how that would work. <laughs> that wouldn't Lips happen, don't right? Peel that way. It's so gross. It's made even yeah. worse by the fact that Ernest like takes it back from her. He's like, "Oh, this is mine." And he's like trying to put it back on his lips. <laughs> no! Like, no, Ernest, no, no, no. <sighs> so, so Cindy storms. I off. mean, the, the look on his face as he tried to put them back on kind of made me laugh because sure. it was like a dainty, like. Mm. 
hmm, like this isn't working. And it's almost like he tries to like save face a he little. He tries it's, to it, save this. It's like, oh, sorry, just let me put that back there. Like, and then, a little and that. then you won't be grossed out anymore. Right? Yeah. No. no. Uh, so she goes like she looks like she's about to throw up. She correctly, goes, and she just like starts walking across the desert. Like yeah. I'm done, two hundred percent done. She walks out of the movie. She says, "I'm grossed out." Yeah, which I was <laughs> normally I get like a little bit annoyed when characters just sort of say what they're feeling textually. No, but in this case, I was like, <laughs> "No, that's what you need to say." Yeah, girl. no, she used to be like, yeah. "No, this, I'm sorry, that was disgusting." But it's also a warning, like, "Leave, you're making this worse." Right. Go away, Ernest. How about coming over and make you some pancakes? No, I'm grossed out. No, really, I make the best pancakes in the whole world. Ernest, I have one word for you. Lip balm. It just... That's two, two words, words, dear. No, lip, the, kiss, the kiss was interesting because they have the least chemistry of any of the Ernest love interests. I would go one step further, or I would go one step adjacent yeah and say they have the least like FaceTime of any of the earnest love interests that's true too they spend the least amount of time together and like i don't know if if like it's kind of like a chicken or an egg thing it's like do they have no chemistry because they don't spend a lot of time together or do they not spend a lot of time together because they have no chemistry they also just look they don't even have like visual chemistry like they don't quite look right together because he looks like he's 20 years older he could be her father yeah a but yeah they just their chemistry is not romantic yeah it's not like a uh, I mean, I appreciate, like, to give credit to Ernest, he doesn't treat her like everyone else treats her, which is like a pretty, like, oh, a woman. Like, yeah. he treats her like a person. Right. Which is Ernestine. It's was Ernest. He treats her like everybody else. Yeah. Like, he respects her intelligence. Right. She's not a piece of meat. No. But yeah, I don't see any. Ke- no, I think you're correct. It's like she's kind of playing out like a fantasy almost, or like mm. uh, playing out what she thinks she should do. It's like, oh, we had this adventure. Like, I'm gonna kiss the hero of the adventure because, like, huh. I'm the. That's me. I like. I'm the. That's interesting. So what you're saying is she finds herself in a situation and she acts the way that she thinks people in that situation act. It's kind of like she's seen this in movies. Yes, like the thing you say, Ernest does. Yeah. To me, like, she would do it because she's the one that is the most, I think, ambitious. She wants to be that that Lois Lane reporter. And, yep. like, Lois Lane gets a Superman. Like, I'm going to get the hero here. Sure. But then she reality is cruel. <laughs> it's like, no, actually, this is it's, it's Ernest. BT Dubs, this is Ernest, yeah. <laughs> so, a poor Ernest. Even in his, his last motion picture outing. I thought maybe in the movie where they ha- explicitly have him say, I wish I had a girlfriend, I thought they might cut him some slack. No. It's impossible luck. Yeah. Poor Ernest. So as he follows her off into the desert, not quite the sunset, but uh, off into the distance anyway. Yeah. uh, We get the narration again to sort of close the movie out. The epilogue. Bookend things. Yeah. We we fade to uh, Ben Ali sitting uh, sort of like stoically. He's like on a beach watching the sunset. It's a really nice shot. It is a really nice shot. And he's got the, he's got Ernest's hat on his knee. Yep. Oh, did Ernest give him the hat? Obviously, Ernest gave him his hat. Absolutely, yeah. Which is so sweet. And so it came as the years passed that Ben Ali became a great leader of the Arab world and brought peace to the war-torn land. And on every public building and street sign, a small, barely visible inscription read, Stick by your buddy. Know what I mean? Stick by your buddy. Know what, what I, I mean. mean. <laughs> and he puts on the hat. Yeah. And there's a silhouette of little Ben wearing the hat in front of a sunset. And that is, I think, 
as fitting and as satisfying a final image you could get for the Ernest franchise. It's a very nice closing of the curtain on the yeah. Ernest films. If we have to end on an image, an inspired little boy who's going to become a great leader. Absolutely. Wearing yeah. Ernest's hat. The next you, generation. That, you, you can't really get much better than that. This is true. We didn't end with, I came, I saw, I got blowed up. <laughs> yeah. Which no. would have just been like the, we didn't end with Ernest going, yeah, and yeah. like fainting into, you know, the foreground, which would have been typical, but not epic. It's a, it's a, it's a very a, nice closing out yeah. of the series. It, it even almost feels like they knew this would be the last one hmm, because it's such an, there's so much finality to that last shot. Maybe they did know, or maybe it was just destiny. Ah, oh. And that's Ernest in the army. Oh, Aaron, your face. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> earnest. It's so we he's close the door on the Ernest film franchise. I can't believe oh, it. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I'll date this Ernest. It's fine. <laughs> Just come back. <laughs> but the first, I mean, the first time he puts me in front of bullets, I'm out. But you know, which do you see yourself reacting worse oh. to? Uh, line of fire or lip peeling? Line of fire. <laughs> Correct. I can forgive lip yeah. peeling. That's not your fault. I mean, you know, everyone's had something gross happen. Oh, sure. But not, you know, yeah, if a man pushes you into the line of fire ahead of him, yeah, that's a deal breaker. Fairly unforgivable. Yeah. yeah. I don't um, even know, like, what to say in in conclusion. I'm, I'm proud of the Ernest franchise in general for making that the, the note that we ended on. The coda was like uh, the implication of a legacy yeah. of, of Ernest's influence extending to a new generation. It's a statement of what they feel like the most important thing you should take away from this movie is and from Ernest in general. Absolutely. You should, uh, it's the inspiring good in other characters. Yeah, and sticking together. You know, I mean, again, it's, it's kind of a, a nice bookend with... Ernest goes to camp. Like You're right. The point is to do your best young always. Minds yep. Too. Yep. Absolutely. It's been a while since we've had such a, um, I guess, like an overt moral. Stick by your buddy. Yeah. Like an overt motto. Right. That's that's like yeah. I like it. I like it too. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm I'm really heartbroken. I know. But I, you know what? I feel it's been very interesting to, like we said at the beginning, observe the shelf life sure. of a phenomenon, and this feels like Ernest's legacy naturally drawing to a close. It doesn't feel like it was cut off yeah, short. Yeah, it's not abrupt. It doesn't feel like, oh, there could have been so many more. It feel like, you know, even if Jim Varney, like, hadn't have passed away, even if he hadn't, have, even if he hadn't gotten sick, that this would have still been, I think, about the time where the Ernest... Uh, kind of petered out. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if Ernest himself is a cartoon, this is sort of the ease in to, <laughs> to Ernest's no legacy. No one gets that except for yeah, animators. That's fine. I'll stand by it. Yeah, it's like sad, but it feels appropriate. And you know, I I, I don't like to be negative. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. I think it's fun to be negative, but I wouldn't <laughs> say I, I like to be negative. No, what I was going to say was for, for a while there with some of the movies, I was mm -hmm. a little concerned with how this whole thing, the mm -hmm. Ernest film franchise would wrap up. And I was pleasantly surprised by this film. It feels as earnesty as as any of them, I think. The takeaway and the vibe is, is generally positive. Yes, Optimistic. I think Ernest's many adventures have ended in the best possible way. Yeah. With the best possible message and the best possible image. Not one that I expected, but it's totally fitting. That's Ernest for you. He uh, he keeps you guessing. He is always Ernest. Yeah. There's some Ernest that are much more dateable than other Ernest. <laughs> There's one Ernest that I need to marry. Right. That scares stupid. But we know. But at in his core, he's always Ernest. Yeah. You no. Know, it's been a journey. It and certainly has. I'm sad that it's over, but, you know, it's better to end on a high note. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I don't know how to end this on a high note because I'm so sad. I know. I, well, well, I guess what we should say to our listeners is we're not done podcasting yet. Not yet. There's still a couple other things we have to cover. We can certainly at least talk about the thing that I'm still excited to see. After our next extra in which we will uh, give our final thoughts on Ernest in the Army, or mostly final thoughts on Ernest in the Army. <laughs> Are any of our thoughts final? There's something we've left for a rainy day. When I knew I'd be sad. <laughs> the first film that Ernest ever appeared in, Dr. Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. I'm very excited. Me too. This is, I have no concept of what it's about. I'm vaguely <laughs> familiar with Dr. Otto from his many appearances on Favor yeah, and Ernest. His jovial approach to uh, evil. Well, he has a scheme. I'm curious to discover the answer to the riddle. And we will. Yep. So don't worry, listeners. We're not quite done yet. We have a, a mission statement that you once said and that we need to stand That's by. That's right. It, which is if Ernest is in it, we will discuss it. So we'll be back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on this journey with us, especially those who have been listening as it's been happening. Yeah. It's always nice to know that we've got people in the back seat going on this weird uh, sideways, thrown backwards from side to side, road trip. Yeah. Falling out of the car. Making cat sounds. Till next time. Take care, listeners. Viva Lavarni. Varney.